Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Hey, it's the 9th of January, 2023, and it's time for Morning Combat. Hi, everyone. I am one half of your hosting duo, and like I've been all since last week, I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos right here in Washington, D.C., joined by my friend in the great white north. He is uh, pathetic. He says a lot of things about himself. Really just a piece of shit like me. It's Brian Campbell. <laughs> Brian Campbell. How are you? Uh, happy to be back home, Luke. Um, you know, it's a new year. What are you drinking there? Uh, some... Uh... Some lime Gatorade to uh, take down that life hangover you're working on? No, I wish I had a hangover. I'm just old and sad. No, it's Diet Mountain Dew. Or I should say oh, Mountain Dew. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, that's great. Does it come with a vape, Luke, or do you have to purchase that separately? Dude, I haven't vaped one time. I haven't all right. vaped one time. All I'm, right. pretty, I'm so far so good. Knock on wood, right? Okay. For one vice to another. Hey, we all got something, right? I figure out the Diet Mountain Dew I can get away with, plus it's got caffeine, which I need. Uh, we have a fun show. We were in, New- we were excuse me, not New York. We were in Washington, D.C. last week for the Tank Davis fight. We'll react to that. Plus, we do have some MMA news we're going to get to as well. And MMA returns to the calendar this coming weekend. Yeah. So the drought that everyone has been suffering under with no uh, live MMA, it is coming to a close. Uh, thumbs up on the video. Hit subscribe. Thank you for joining us. All that good stuff. Oh, yeah, BC, who you got a call from? Hey, hey, Tui. MMA's back this weekend. Let's bang. <laughs> All right, bang. great. <laughs> no Vaseline, just gas no, and a little yeah. bit of ma- uh, yeah. Vaseline. Or no, a match and a little bit of Vaseline. What am I saying? Um, all right. Wait, no. Is it gas or match? Just a match and a little bit of Vaseline. Or is it gas? I can't remember. This My is, brain doesn't getting, work anymore. It's getting weird, Luke. It's getting pretty weird. But, you know, that's it's the, the Ice Cube diss song to NWA when he left the, when he left the group. I forget. Um, uh, anyway. BC will react to Tank Davis, we react to Habib, potentially, or maybe outright, leaving the sport. All kinds of fun stuff uh, there. We want to remind folks, Showtime.com is the label that pays. You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, feel free to bounce. But if you stick around, hey, look at that. First six months, $3.99 a month. That's a pretty great deal. So stick around for that. Uh, just a match and a little bit of gasoline, by the way, is what our, our team here says. That's right. Um a matcha? Yeah, right. okay. Are you talking about like like that shitty ass tea I had when we interviewed uh, Aaron Blanchfield? <laughs> the, t- the tea was fine. You were just like, "What is this thing I've never had before, and therefore is terrible?" 
I'm like, uh, it's quite quite delicious, actually. You're just not used to it. Yeah, uh, an ice cream matcha, Luke, did not did not turn out well. Did not. BC, I know we have deals going on at MorningCombat.store. What can you tell us? I didn't even realize this until I went on the website this morning and and checked in with one RJ uh, Dunkface, and he said, "Look, because of the great success uh, of our you know award season, which was fueled by our fans' undying rabid love, we did win back to back." World MMA Awards Best MMA Programming. I'm I'm still waiting for the World Boxing Awards, Luke, to to uh to put us up there under Best Boxing Program. We're gonna have to compete with you know take a step back and all the other stars in this game, Luke. But uh, I will say right now because of that Bach to Bach Championship Award winnings, you can get great savings using that exact code Back to Back. That's a two, the number two Back to Back. Fifteen percent off Morning Combat merch this morning. I mean, does it get does it get better than that? Best merch in the game, best show in the game, most handsome hosts in the game. Yeah, I don't know about all that. Okay. Thank you. For, for, furthest away from the fights in the game. <laughs> no longer getting credentialed in the game. It's these two idiots. Uh, all right. So thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. I want to remind folks as well, morningcombat at gmail.com is the place to reach the show. When you uh, need to reach the show for Wednesday's fan subs, Friday's dead wrongs, or just a holler at the producers who read that. BC and I don't read it, but th- but they do. So yeah, that's Mikey's job, and he does a fantastic job of that. You know, he he censors a lot of memes that could get us in trouble. Luke, okay? People think Jay Paquette's this you know great family guy. He's got some saucy memes coming over there from the from the island of uh, of Scotia. There, Luke. Uh, and then last but not least, in about a month, about a month's time, we're going to be in London, right? So let's let's get that moving, folks. Tickets. They are not. I'm telling you, by the time we get there, there's a decent chance there won't be any left. So if you want to get some now, Didn't is the we time. Hear, true or false? We heard that there's two rows of tickets left. Uh, I have not confirmed that, but I did hear that. Yes. So this is a 500 seat musical venue. King's Place there. King's Court in, in the King's Place, uh, I guess, section of London. Or maybe I had that reversed, but it's in London. OK, you can't miss it. London 500 tickets available. We're going to have a star-studded uh, live show, the kind you would expect from the folks here at MK. Uh, if you were thinking about it, and, and by the way, it, it does it does make me smile with pride every time someone DMs me, go, hey, BC, remember me? I'm like, yeah. They're like, I'll be there. I'll be there, okay? Despite your UK Plus idea, I'll be there. Uh, Boy, if you're one of those like people, all, huh? if you're straddling the fence, right? You're going to be left out, okay? This show will not air live. I think eventually it will air, Luke, but this will be a uh, this will be an event. I mean, <laughs> as long as Appy makes it through customs, this will be an event, let me tell you. So there you go. Get your tickets there. You can go to pod-live.com for tickets as well if you're listening on the podcast. All right, BC. Um, when do we get ready, to announce the names, Luke? The names that will be joining us. I don't know when we're announcing them. We already have some names locked up. We haven't announced them yet, obviously. Uh, I'm not sure. what. Uh, we're going to have a meeting about that show after this show. So maybe we'll get some clarity then. But we do have some names, so it's going to be fun. Did Did Mikey end up reaching out to Harry and Megan like we like we asked? I don't know if... I don't know if I even give a shit about them being on the show, to be honest with you. like my, I tried to watch that fucking documentary. My wife was watching it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's not race, It's heavily racist, Luke. It's not interesting. It's just All not. Right. It's like it's like it's just another family whose life is fucked up. It's like I got plenty of that. Don't need any more. Thanks. <laughs> Good to go. All filled up. 
<laughs> Don't need any extras. All right. With that in mind, BC, let's get this party started. So over the weekend, <clears throat> Showtime pay-per-view, Gervonta Tank Davis defended his secondary, technically, WBA lightweight title when he defeated Hector Luis Garcia. He did so technically. Basically, they could have stopped it between the eighth and ninth rounds. They didn't. So the ninth round began, and then Garcia couldn't answer the bell. They waited him out before they waved it off. About 13 seconds, it goes in there as a stoppage in the ninth round. But there was quite literally no boxing in the ninth round. Still, BC, we were asking what Gervonta proved with it. Now, I'm not sure if you went back and watched it a second time. I did. I got a couple extra things I want to uh, highlight here, but I'll let you go first. What did Tank prove by beating Hector Luis Garcia? That look, there's a, there's there can be a lot of reasons uh, throughout Tank's rise to. Oh, time out. The rapper here is Shy Glizzy. That was the one that got in the fight with Meek Mill. He's the guy from DC. I didn't recognize his face, but there you go. Uh, I heard it was uh, some other rapper names I hadn't heard of before. No, it was Shy Glizzy. Okay. Uh, here's to me what what Gervonta proved. Look, there's been a lot of reasons throughout his rise to I don't want to say doubt him because it's hard to watch Gervonta at the highest level in doubt what you're seeing, but whether it was matchmaking at certain points in his career, when he was under the Mayweather promotions banner, whether it's been the, you know, the obvious uh, situations outside the ring, which have been very troubling at times, which played a big narrative coming in here. Could Gervonta pause all that and show us that world-class skill level? He did exactly that. There were no shortage of stakes in this fight, given that the Ryan Garcia proposed April 15th super fight was, you know, on the table here and, and it could go away with a loss. The way Tank was able to get in there against a very, very tough, skilled fighter in Hector Luis Garcia, who was willing to go to the end to try to win this fight, and, and I really thought showed himself well. Look, Tank's one of the best, you know, I mean, it, it, it's hard right now. I've never seen a pound-for-pound pound list, top 10, so competitive at the moment, where there's so many guys that are ranked 10 to 15, 16, that just as easily could be five or six in your rankings. And that's where we're all right now. I mean, whether you're liking Stephen Fulton, Jermel Charlo, you know, there are so many people on the outside looking in. But I don't know how you could watch this on Saturday night, watch the precision, the efficiency, and ultimately the power that chopped Garcia down and not realize that, that, that you know, over a span of about three weight classes, Tank Davis is one of the best fighters in this entire game at the moment. And at 28, he's right at the peak of his prime. There's obviously a lot of hope that he can keep this together and keep doing this. But that arena was among the best atmospheres I've been to in big-time boxing in a while on Saturday. And Tank absolutely delivered, Luke. It's the precision. It's the patience. It's the brick-by-brick, taking in facts, breaking it down. But his power is just different. And we saw this at the end of the day. And it's not, you know, it's not walk-you-down type of just reckless power. It is sniper, one shot at a time, perfect placement. And he literally got Garcia to the point where he... He couldn't see and had to ask out of the fight. So uh, how is Tank entering maybe the, the most dangerous test of his career in a few months against Ryan Garcia? He's looking just fine, Luke. Yeah, he, he's looking just fine. I mean, here's a couple of things that I re reflected on. I asked my I, I had friends and family who were in the crowd and I asked them like when it was all over, how did you feel about it? Obviously, the night went pretty late, so they were all pretty tired, but. Yeah, can we work like, on that in boxing in general? Can we work yeah. on that for us East Coast blokes, please? Yeah, the show started at 9, and it didn't end till 1.30. That's a long show, right? It's a long show. I don't think the main event started until 1. I mean, that is late. That's a very, very late show. So um, I wish that would have been a little bit quicker. But in terms of, like, their overall experience, they had a blast. They had a blast. Like, Tank Davis is, 
you know, obviously we can make a lot of conversations about who he is as a boxer, and we're about to, but also as an entertainment figure, as a draw. You saw what he did, and again, I said it all week. Like, I didn't see any advertising in town. I, I didn't see any busback buys, any radio buys, any print buys, nothing. I didn't see any buys anywhere for any advertising, and they didn't need to. I think they had a near or at, at sellout on word of mouth. I mean, it's just shocking how much he can pull. And then on top of it, like, I asked, like, did, did the night deliver for you guys when, I, when it was all over? And they really, really thought so. Um, they really felt like the net the night kind of crescendoed into like the tank fight and feeling really big when he came out, it felt big and he delivered. So like tank is really, and, and you know, cause there's a question about like, is he fighting the very toughest guys every time? And he's not, I think you can say that, but in terms of who he is fighting, we, we had a lot to say in the, about good about Hector Luis Garcia and I, and I stand by all of that, but in general, he's fighting these guys who are tough, but he's better than. And so when you add in the ticket sales and then the sort of bright stage, and then he delivers with these thundering KOs, whether it's Mario Barrios, whether it's Ricardo Nunez, whether it's Gamboa, whether it's Santa Cruz, or in this case, Garcia. Dude, Tank Davis is just an enormous attraction star who delivers on the promise of what you do when you pay for him. Now, you can like those matchups or you cannot, but dude, when you pay for Tank Davis, man, you get a show. You get a show. There's no, just no reality. No, no, no changing that at all. I will say this. Go ahead. I didn't, in real time, I thought the fight was kind of close. Not that it changed. We all knew what the real story was, right? First three rounds, not a whole lot happened. You could maybe give two of those to probably Garcia. He was a little bit busier, you know, that kind of a thing. And then rounds four through seven, it got picked up a lot. And then in round eight, which was weird for a little bit, but basically Gervonta took over in rounds eight, outlanding him 30 to three, something we went over on Saturday night. The thing I go back to and watching it the second time around was, it didn't seem nearly as close the second time. Watching it the second time, it's pretty clear. You watch Gervonta here. He's trying to gauge the distance, and he's just catching the jab from Garcia for three rounds to see what it looks like, how he's going to set it up, what the angle is going to look like when he throws it. Because you had Garcia with a hand here, and then this one was either like parallel to the ground or just hanging, which eventually Gervonta took advantage of. But it seemed to me that once Gervonta was able to cheat the distance, Starting in round four, he was able to yes. kind of crowd him and get around the jab. The fight was basically over from there. It took him a little while, a few rounds, to punch his way through it. But once he figured out, okay, I know exactly where the jab's going to be. I know exactly where my placement needs to be. It was over from there. Garcia had no adjustment that he could make once Tank started using the athleticism, the speed, and obviously, as you mentioned it, the absolutely blistering nuclear power that this dude has so I got to tell you, like, on the one hand, I'm impressed at how well Tank looked. And again, I take everything about Hector Luis Garcia seriously. I do wonder, though, that what lesson is Tank going to take from this fight? Because I don't know what the training was like, but I wonder if he's going to get someone who's not going to be as easily readable, who won't, not that Garcia wilted, but he was, once Tank decided he, got, he, he, he figured out what he wanted to do, there was really no stopping him. What's going to happen when the guy makes a series of adjustments to take those things away? I guess what I'll say is I, I love the fight and Tank looked great, but against another level of opposition who can make between round adjustments, I wonder what how that might go. That to me, like we didn't get a great answer well, let, about what would happen. Let's here. get into that. Hector Luis Garcia had the skills and the temperament to potentially, in my opinion, make those same type of adjustments. But this fight, as you mentioned, became a fight in the fourth round when both stopped feeling each other out. Both operated at very close distance. And by the way, you got to give Garcia credit. He set up shop in round one. 
basically in front of Tank, and that's where he was going to operate. He didn't do the same type of straight-on constant pressure he did against Colbert. He told media members in the last few days, you know, I know I can't in this situation. Tank has different power. But, you know, beginning in the fourth round, Tank started consistently landing the big shots, and that's when Garcia started to turn. He hung close. He hung in there. But ultimately, Luke, he was unable to to do one of two things. He was unable to to hurt Garcia, I'm sorry, hurt Tank and, and do any type of reverse discipline back in his direction. And on the flip side, he was unable to overwhelm Tank with volume to either try to take rounds that way or try to really pull on his gas tank. And I think the reason, it's the same reason a lot of fighters have when they come in there with great intention, is once the Tank starts landing those big left hands and they're pinpoint and they're accurate it changes you. It changes your game plan. It changes your willingness. So I give Garcia a lot of credit for basically being in the pocket the whole fight and trying to win it. He just never committed full on to going for broke, knowing he'd probably get stopped and wasn't able to go punch for punch for punch on that level. My fear to piggyback on what you said is this. You talk about the matchmaking. Yes, there were parts on Tank's rise where I don't think the matchmaking was as, as good as it could have been. And I thought some of that criticism was absolutely real. I think that's going away, though. We can all say what we want about Roley Romero, but even Tank had to respect the power in there and had to take his time. And, you know, he fought Isaac, Isaac Cruz. He's fighting guys now that are that are absolutely legit. He's fighting very good fighters. Can this style, though, for Tank of ultimate efficiency, can it work against the great fighters? Mm. The problem at lightweight in particular for Tank is is all the great fighters are across the street. And that happens in the sport. The fact that he's this close now to actually facing Ryan Garcia is a testament, as we said, to both of them, especially King Ryan, who pushed back on his own political structure to make this happen. The question is, can Tank use the same exact style and use it on the Ryan Garcias, the Shakur Stevensons, the Devin Haney's, who's the undisputed champion, and particularly, Luke, anytime he's going to bring his brand to the 140-pound level. He did great against Mario Barrios at 140, but it did take him time. He really had to build toward it. To a certain degree, he built toward this stoppage against Garcia. But when we talk about how efficient Tank is and is just able to control the fight with, with never putting himself out of position, look, he nearly doubled Hector Garcia's output and still landed 41% of his overall punches, which is absurd, and 52.5% of his power shots. So that's how unbelievably efficient he was. But let me compare that to other fighters who utilize that same style. I would say, you know, as, as a as a sniping pot shotter from the outside, Canelo's probably the best in the game at that, but I don't think that style yet has cost him. Jermel Charlo is a good comparison because there's certain levels of competition, BP plus guys, where Jermel Charlo can completely be that sniper. And sometimes we think he waits too long, but eventually he gets there and he lands that big shot and he stops you. I thought he got into trouble against uh, against Harrison in the first fight, meaning Jermel Charlo, and also against Castaño in the first fight, where at times that 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 uber efficiency hurt him against a volume opponent, especially against Harrison, who was really using smart boxing and, and to do that. Can Tank, in your eyes, Luke, use this exact style, you know, against the Ryan Garcia, against the Devin Haney, which is probably the ultimate test at the moment in this weight class not only does Haney have all four titles but you know he has a a, a near perfect looking game uh from how he operates that's going to be the test for me but against this level just short of the super elite level uh it, it's going to take a special person to be able to go late into a fight with tank have a chance to be up on the scorecards 
and maybe do that next level thing, which is step over the line and put Tank into some kind of trouble. Against this level of competition, this style, he's absolutely dominant. Do you think he can be this efficient and this picky, though, against those super elites? I mean, Ryan Garcia puts himself into danger because he's so offensive, but he also has some killer reach, a very quick and powerful jab. I can't wait to see now that we're stepping up to the highest of levels and especially if he's going to tease moving up in weight, you know, the Teofimo's at 140, all those super big names. I, I want to see if he can pull this off, Luke. But at right now at 135, you don't want to say he's unbeatable because, damn, we got to see him against against Haney, against Stevenson. But he really knows how to control a fight, close all of your avenues to victory, and then walk right in there and take you out. Yeah, I mean, here's here's we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in the Ryan Garcia portion of the conversation because that's point number two. We'll get to that in a minute. But sticking with point number one just overall – and assessing the the question that you raised, which was, does this sort of hyper, ultra-efficient style work against the elite? We simply don't know, but I'm a little bit skeptical. A little bit. I mean, here's the thing, right? On the one hand, just look at this fight as a great example with the point I'm about to make, which was basically once Tank decided to really start punching, hard, hardcore punching, like big power shots, it was more or less the beginning of the end, Right? It was more or less the beginning of the end. That's the issue. So it's like I can understand why Tank feels like this is a great strategy for him. Take a few rounds, see what's up, get a good read, catch everything, block everything that you need to, and when it's time to go and you can begin to get the punches you want off, in this particular case, he was slipping the jab, he was going to the body, and then over the top. I can hear you. Oh, yeah, I can hear you, BC. Loud and clear. Um, the, the reality is it all worked just fine. It all... It all just worked. No, it, yeah, it all worked. I gotta have to mute you because I can't. I can't do this. This is a little too much. Um, anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that that it, if you're so confident that you can be really muted for let's say a fourth of the fight, and then once you decide to get going, it's just all downhill from there. I can see why you would feel that way. That that that's a great strategy for you. On the other hand, does that really scale against the elite? Can you punt on them for three rounds or so? and then hope in the last nine that your power carries you through. At 140, I definitely don't think he could get away with it. And so the question is, at 135, could he get away with it? Um, <sighs> maybe. Maybe. I guess we'll have to see. The one against Ryan Garcia, it seems possible, because Ryan is very good offensively, but I don't think he's got great defense. I think he's there to be hit. And so I think that will something we'll talk about that in a second. Against the Stevensons, against the Devin Haney's, maybe... Because I don't think Devin Haney has the firepower to go back at him. Neither does Stevenson, but he's a good, real good touch-and-go kind of guy, too. So that the, 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 the Stevenson and the Haney ones are the interesting ones for me because he has the, they both have the capacity to fight at range and at, um, and at distance. They have good movement, and they can score, right? They can touch and move. I, I, I just wonder, like, there's a certain way that Tank is getting comfortable fighting that I'm not sure scales up to the next challenge or even more to the next weight class in, in terms of the elite side of the opposition. I guess we'll have to see. With that in mind, BC, let's go to point number two, which is now we have this all set in motion, right? There aren't anything, there isn't anything signed that we are aware of, but there should be no obstacles at this point in getting an April set fight between Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia. In terms of what we saw on Saturday against Hector Garcia, what can you now say about how Tank and Ryan Garcia match up? 
Uh, you know, they match up differently. It's a different type of fight than against Hector Garcia. I thought we could have the potential to really learn some things because Hector was a southpaw. Ryan's not, though. But Hector has long arms, and he's able to use that effectively, usually from close range. Again, Tank's power disciplined him. That was the turning point. That was the biggest question we had for Hector Garcia. Ryan Garcia is different. He's taller and longer, and I believe... Punch for punch, he's faster than Tank. Now, obviously, that's something we're going to have to see inside the ring. Tank is so quick, but also has the accuracy and power on top of it that he can be such a deadly sharpshooter. But I do think it's a different fight altogether by Ryan Garcia against Ryan Garcia. And the biggest thing, the speed's part of it, but it's what the speed leads to. Ryan Garcia is a potential threat here power-wise to hurt Tank. And that, that distance that they're going to have to operate at because of the size difference puts the onus on Tank to need to get inside. But my biggest fear to echo off what you said when he does step up to that super elite level, and we'll see, we don't really know about Ryan Garcia. We don't know if he's, you know, super elite in, in certain categories. Can he carry that uh, against the big names and, in, 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 you know, and not give in to vulnerability? That's a big, big thing about that. But the whole idea is this when he meets the kind of opposition that can low, that can take his low output and use it against him, how's it, how do you do that? A long, stiff, quick piston-like jab would be a big part of it. That's the equation I most want to see. And in some ways, that's asking Ryan Garcia to do more than he usually does because he's a, he can be a slick boxer, but it's usually in the intention of setting you up to knock you out with huge power shots. Can Ryan Garcia show the kind of poise that can use that jab and use volume to steal a certain amount of rounds against Tank and then make this an interesting fight in the second half? I think that's where the potential of the lower output can catch up with Tank. But Luke... He's shown us he can fight different ways at different times against different opponents in his rise up these weight classes. Um, even though it's a different kind of challenge, I like what I saw at a tank. It doesn't change the same thing of what we're tuning in to see. Separate from the two big fan bases, we're tuning in to see two unbeaten stars, both that can knock each other out and both that can potentially handle themselves if the fight goes the distance. Um, this is going to be interesting because this is... This is about as big of a 135-pounder as you can get in Ryan Garcia. He's already announced to move up to 140. This fight's going to be a catchweight at 136. It could be his last stop there, meaning Ryan Garcia, before you know an eventual move up 40 and 47 down the road. But this is a big, long, fast, and powerful opponent. And I think the ultimate wild card in here is Ryan Garcia goes for the knockout. He, he's willing to walk into danger. Dude, this is going to be some fun theater come April. Now, Luke, I got to, I got to, you know, this is about me just for this one second. I got a family vacation in April. Don't, don't land on that April 15th date. You think they can move it for me, Luke? I don't think that they're going to move it for you, BC. Let me ask you a question. Looking back on the career of Tank Davis, how would you say you, how is his durability and how well can you say you know how durable he is? We don't know. We don't know. He fought a bigger fighter in Mario Barrios and did have to, exchange to get inside and as we talked about it was brick by brick building that led to that late stoppage and it was just beautiful to see him persevere break through land those big power shots but have we seen tank down i don't remember seeing that have we seen him in a firefight where it's equal no we haven't seen that that of course is more likely when you're that great and you start to raise up in weight classes because you know Business becomes bigger for you. That's something he's going to have to navigate, Luke, for sure, and potentially in this Ryan Garcia fight. But do we have a long history seeing Tank in wars? No, because his his uh, power has been so great that he stopped so many guys early, and whenever he didn't, man, dude, you what can you say about, like we said, about his efficiency, his ability to box, his ability to navigate distance? 
all of that is super elite. So there's still some unanswered questions just the same, and I like the way you asked that, whereas we know Ryan Garcia could hurt him. We're going to have to find out if that comes into play in this fight. Right, but let's go the other way around. What about Ryan Garcia's durability? You know, I know who was it, Luke Campbell, who dropped him, if I'm not mistaken, right? I, I yeah, there's questions that, right? there. There's questions there, Luke. So tell me, what do we know about Garcia's durability, either to the body, to the head, overall, all of it? Well, look, the big one is what you talked about. What's the best win of Ryan Garcia's career? It's the Luke Campbell one. Campbell is uh, an Olympic medalist, a former, uh, you know, multiple-time world title challenger, never got over that hump. But he's got long arms. He's a slick boxer. Not known for huge pop, but he landed basically a knockout punch on Ryan Garcia. To Rye, to Rye Guy's credit, and I know people hate when I call him that, he got up, Luke. He shook off the cobwebs. He rallies back to stop him and actually retire him from the sport. Um, that's the only major sort of piece of, uh, you know, vulnerability that we can use against. There's been a couple pockets of Ryan Garcia in fights where he's gotten hit pretty big. But I think ultimately, Luke, it's what you said. It's like, is that defense and ultimately that punch resistance on the same level as the sublime nature of what makes him dangerous offensively? I would say we just don't have proof that it is. And, and every time I interview with Ryan Garcia, I straight up ask him about that because, you know, that is the big, if there's anything that potentially holds him back from stardom in people's eyes, or maybe not stardom is the right word, but, you know, critical respectability on, you know, when we talk about guys entering the pound for pound conversation is does he move his head enough and can he take big time power? He got up against Luke Campbell, but Campbell wasn't known as a finisher. So who has the most questions to answer? Certainly Ryan Garcia, which is going to be a big part why I believe Tank will be the betting favorite coming into this and deserves to be. But Tank was the smaller looking guy against Hector Garcia, certainly from the standpoint of reach. Ryan Garcia is legitimately taller and longer than him. So, yeah, uh, Ryan Garcia's got questions to answer about his chin, about his willingness. But one thing we do know he's willing to do, though, is walk into the fire to try to win it. And it's like, you might say, well, doesn't everybody try that? No, there are levels to that. There are levels to willingness in a big fight, especially when there's heavy danger coming back to stand in that pocket and try to do what you do best. That's one of Ryan Garcia's greatest skills. It also could be his greatest vulnerability, but that's one of his greatest skills and threats that he's willing to go there to find out. But can he take, can he take takes flush shots? I don't know, Luke. I'd bet against it. But I don't, he's also, I don't, I don't yeah. think anyone at 135 can take Tank's flush shots. Not 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 for very long. Like you, There's only so many. We mentioned it on Saturday night. For folks who missed the fight, Tank Davis stopped him because Garcia told his corner between the 8th and ninth rounds he couldn't see. right? But if you go back and look, Tank didn't swell up the soft tissue of an eye that he closed it. Or he didn't break the eye socket and then it swelled up and he closed it. The guy had two open eyes. He couldn't see because he got hit in the head so hard uh, basically his brain didn't work right and it shut off. He couldn't, he he lost vision and he didn't know where he was. I mean, we're talking about like clubbing Hercules level power from a guy like Tank. They just, they just can't stand up to it. BC, I'll tell you this much. What I like about Tank versus Ryan Garcia, I mean, there's any number of different reasons to like it. It's not very difficult to find a reason to like it. But one reason on top of all the other ones that we've mentioned that I like it is that I think for the first time we're going to get a real clear sense of the limits, both positive and negative, of both guys. And the reason yeah. I say that is because not that we, Tank is number one on the pound-for-pound pound list, nor Ryan Garcia, but Tank is probably, I would say, a little bit better defensively than Ryan Garcia, but because of the length disadvantage and the height disadvantage, and because Tank needs guys to open to close distance, right? He needs 
those guys to be in motion for him to then motion, or at least to, to create some kind of opening through through motion. Um, you're going to have offense versus offense. And if you have offense versus defense, you get a case like Canelo versus, like for example, Caleb Plant, which is a great fight. It's a fine fight, but you kind of know where the fight's going to go, and you kind of know the contours of it. You just want to see if Canelo could get over the hump, and he did. Here is a case where we're going to actually find out exactly how durable a guy like Tank Davis is because he's going to get hit. There's simply no two ways about it. It, Yes, it's a boxing match, but I mean, he's going to take punches he probably hasn't taken from many other guys before. Conversely, so is Ryan Garcia. And when that happens, when those kinds of shots begin to land, whatever round that ends up being, BC, we're going to get a test of their overall defensive skills. We're going to get a test of what kind of alterations they can make to their strategy we're going to get a test about what their real durability looks like there have been lots of unanswered questions about tank and there's a lot of unanswered questions about ryan garcia the reason why this fight is so great is many of them not all of them but many of them are very likely to be answered when they collide in april and for that fact finding reason i am very excited and officially ryan garcia is four and a half inches taller than tank that's a lot has a three and a half inch reach advantage. By the way, on paper, Hector Garcia only had a half inch reach advantage over Tank. It certainly looked, uh, you know, bigger uh, when they were in the ring together. But dude, Garcia tried his best. Hector Garcia tried his best to essentially no sell the power throughout the fight. I, I did rewatch it as you did this morning, Luke. And um, man, once the once the once the fight restarted after the Meek Mill uh, crowd incident. That's when Tank landed his his greatest in succession of clean power shots, and man, each one was 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 pushing Hector Garcia deeper into the into the beyond. And I give him a lot of credit for hand, hanging in there and trying to win, but he lacked firepower. What's the greatest thing Ryan Garcia brings along with the size, speed, and firepower? So yeah, Luke, uh, there are people still. I get tweets. How, how the hell could you say Tank is pound for pound worthy? Uh, look at the skills. Check the punch numbers. Take the total accumulation of the guys he's beat. Remember that he's won some form of a title. Look, I don't like to celebrate secondary titles, but he has won some form of a title in three divisions. He won three straight pay-per-view fights a year and a half ago at three different weight divisions. Yes, we're watching one of the best fighters in the game today, and this fight against Ryan Garcia will be as big as everyone wants it to be, Luke. You said it could be, everyone wants it to be, I said. You said it could be above a million pay-per-view buy, which is... I don't. Want, it's really hard to do in this era, especially when you don't add a crossover circus element to it. Uh, this fight has, you know, nothing holding it back, and all the reason to overachieve in terms of what they can do with it. Uh, I hope we get the full multi-city press tour treatment. I hope we get, you know, something special on the buildup. I was disappointed Ryan Garcia didn't show up, Luke. You know, in, in boxing sense, that's the way you. That's the way you build the narrative and connect the dots together. It would have been great to see him go into the ring afterwards and be interviewed, but hey, can't have it all, right? Can't, can't have it all, but I'll say this. I, I um, When the fight was over and I was texting my friends and talking to my wife, the one of the first questions I got was, hey, when is he fighting again? We want to see that. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, obviously, all the boxing insiders know, and I think sports fans have some idea about Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia. But now the casual fans in my orbit are all like, dude, like whatever that is, we want more of that. I think it will sell quite well. It'd be really interesting to see how that goes. Um, cannot wait for it. Cannot wait to see what some of the prognostications look like as well as we move closer did to your, that date. Did your Connecticut-born fraternity brother enjoy the uh, enjoy the fight, Luke, in person? He did, although he is, he is an attorney by trade. 
and he was very sad about how late he had to stay up. <laughs> also, also a buddy of mine, if you don't know the distance here, I mean, I guess it's like a couple of miles, maybe a little bit more than that. A buddy of mine, when the fight was over, couldn't get any Ubers. Like there was no Ubers around the Capital One Arena. So he just walked home without a jacket. And by the time he got there, he had, he took a picture of his hands. They were solid pink from how cold it was when walking outside. I was like, well, you know. I don't know what you are an adult. You are allowed to bring a jacket in the winter, but uh, I know. You know, Luke. It's it wasn't quite quite Barclays Center level, but the people in your city uh, maybe need to do their shirt laundry because that they were sparking it up inside the Capitol yeah. uh, Capital yeah, One a, there, Arena. I there, think there was there. a lot of marijuana smell in the old Cap One Arena that day. Um, but you know, and we were in that. We would know. We you know we we called those fights from the roof, Luke. So all that smoke rose up. We had the full you know yeah. <clears throat> We were in one of those, you know, we could just absorb all of the all of the the, the weight of the smoke. It was great. All right, uh, let's go to point number three here, BC. Real quickly on this co-main event, Jerron Ennis uh, pitched a shutout basically against Karin uh, Chukazan in the co-main event. This obviously was on this Davis Garcia card. And the question is, did he look human the first time? Again, I went and rewatched this fight as well. I do have some thoughts uh, about it, but BC, give me a grade. What grade would you give Ennis in this particular contest? I'd give him a B plus. And anyone that saw that who don't watch Jerron Ennis a lot, but, you know, hear us, to be fair, regularly talk about him in, in ways that, you know, to be again, to be fair, we don't talk about anyone like that, you know, not in a long time. So from that regard, was it a letdown? Yes. This could end up being one of those backdoor positives for Boots because it could make him look human to future opponents who might duck him and certainly could wake him up to like, hey, there's some things you do have to round out and work on. But let's be honest here. This was an opponent who was physically tougher than I think a lot of us thought because we just hadn't seen much of him, had much better move, erratic movement that really made Boots work. But, you know, punch stats don't tell the whole story, but they can tell a lot of it. Luke, he landed twice as many punches as Chukajin won every single round on all three judges' scorecards, 120 to 108. The the rare times he was touched, which is I can really remember about two counter hooks from Chukajan, maybe three at the most that, you know, were of a, uh, were of legitimate value where you go, ooh, let's see how Tank responds to that. He walked right through him and kept doing it. We got to see a lot of the, the swiveling, the switching of stances, the creativity. I would have more negative things to say if one of a couple things happened. If he had been hurt and wobbled and had to overcome that, remember Devin Haney against Jorge Linares, where we're like, ah, man, but what about that moment? I'm not sure. Or let's say he had not tried to persevere through the frustration and, and, and tried to go after it. No, he tried for the knockout all 12 rounds. Was he overly frustrated at times, including round eight? Yeah, he he, he was sort of like, what the hell do I have to do here? But if you're going to give praise to Chukadzan, the you know was he always trying to win? No, he did. He did try to walk him down late and make something happen. But he was there to survive. He had a weird ass style. He relied on that to avoid big shots. Boots is still young, but I didn't see anything that can't scale forward, so to speak, because he comes at you in such a variety of ways to draw you out. This was an opponent who made the decision: is I'm not only drawing myself out to leave myself open to be countered, I'm not going to be here to there to be hit either. That's a frustrating fight. It happens in boxing, and sometimes you know you can only you can only do as good as the guy across from you is willing to let you. Which is why when we talk about Naoa Inoue, who just you know became the undisputed bantamweight champion against Paul Butler, who was not there to win, 
was there to survive. The, Inoue's ability to walk him down finally in round 10 or 11 and force that to happen is why he's number one pound for pound in the game. Boots tried to emulate that. He couldn't get it done. Are there things he can work on? Yes. But I think if anything, it's maybe a reminder for us who, when we don't have the answers and somebody looks this ridiculous, look, it is hard not to paint all the praise on them up and down, up and down until they earn it. You know, th th this this is going to probably give Boots a little kick in the ass to go back out there and, and just, you know, further solidify every category of his game. But he came in there the best shape of his life. I mean, he was in just sick, disgusting shape. He didn't run out of gas. His power looked legitimate. He just didn't have a willing dance partner who was willing to take him there, Luke. And I did see a lot of negativity, and look, that comes when you hype a guy up. But again, if this was, you know, eight rounds to four, and he had been overwhelmed for a period or ran out of gas late, I'd throw up the warning signs. I can't I can't throw up the flag, Luke. He, You know, he's he still pretty damn great. Check the stats, rewatch the fight. He just couldn't get the finish. Yeah, 10th round was his best round. Went to the body very heavily. Clearly had an effect on Chukadzan, who was struggling to keep up in that particular round, but then he made a decent show of himself down the stretch. And for folks who don't know, Boots cleaned up on the scorecards. He won every round on every judge's scorecard. It was 120 to 108, clean sweep the whole way through. So it's not like he had a poor performance in that sense. And I agree with you. I think a B-plus is about right. Here's what I will say, BC. I went back and I rewatched the Clayton, and I don't know if this really happened in the Delorme fight, but it happened a little bit in the Clayton fight. Little bit in the Lipinitz fight, but certainly the Clayton one was got my attention. It's not a big sample size, and it and the numbers don't say that Boots gets hit a lot because he doesn't. That's not true, but he does open himself up a little bit to being hit in ways where if he didn't he he takes punches he doesn't have to. I'm going to put it that way. There are certain situations, like for example, Chukudzan was making it very difficult for him, but he was constantly retreating. But he'd be times where he'd retreat, retreat. Boots would just kind of march into him, and then he would stop, and he would tag Boots all the time like this because Boots was just kind of just marching him down in ways where he didn't necessarily have to. And you could argue, well, Boots was winning, and he doesn't fear Chukadzan's power. Right. But again, we're talking about with this Tank Davis conversation, you are, you are what your habits are, right? Whatever your habits are in all the times, when you're stressed, when you're not stressed, when you're in trouble, when you're in not trouble, that's what ultimately... Who, you, that's what will reveal who you are is what your habits are day to day and in fight to fight I have noticed he will invite certain forms of risk that I find less than ideal uh, and he gets hit for it now the other part I don't think you can kill him too much is Chukadzan had very good movement very good defense he was hard to even hit clean right and as you mentioned Boots had a two to one lead on him in terms of the numeric totals like he was trying he won all the rounds. He had a great round 10. I give Round 10 was a solid A for me. But everything else was like somewhere in the B department because I just felt like if you've got that much skill, you didn't have to finish him. That's really hard to do. But you should not take as many punches as you did, even if there is a lead numerically and what you were able to dish out offensively. I don't want to see Boots accept punishment of any variety, really, any noteworthy variety, that isn't otherwise necessary. And he did invite some. I wonder, BC, do you share some of those observations that I have? And do they give you the same kind of concerns? No, I don't. I don't share that. Uh, I think in this situation, you know, again, I counted about three legitimate punches where I would have said, oh, wow, Chukajin is trying to, you know, he's trying to get back in this that that boots took cleanly. Look, was that a young fighter who knows about the hype, knows that if he wins this fight, he's spent his mandatory, uh, you know, probably wanted to do some big call out. 
tried his best to try to form any rally to get a stoppage. And what's the best way to do that? Sometimes it's being in the pocket and being willing to be hit to, to draw out the offense of your opponent. I don't think we have a history of that in watching tank in watching boots fight, excuse me. But I think even beyond that is he's a dynamic offensive force, which means you have to be moving forward into danger and be willing to welcome that. I mean, look at, you know, one of the best technicians of this modern era, Gennady Golovkin. It's like, you know, there, there were times that people would go, oh, yeah, but, but, but it does get hit. Yeah. He's going to get hit when he's walking in on you to try to make big things happen. So, um, Maybe when, when someone gets praised at this level, we expect superhuman perfection. I mean, look, our our praise was getting to that level because he was going in there against certain tests and wiping them out in two rounds and not getting touched. Uh, I think when the, when the danger level rises, you won't see that same willingness level. But uh, does this remind you that you can't earn all the accolades until you earn it in the ring? Yes. And Boots has never stopped trying to earn it in the ring. He's willing to fight everybody. He's played the political system the best way you can. Now the champs, including Errol Spence, have to fight him or give up the title. So we'll see what happens next. But, Luke, you do wonder if he gets that backdoor help that people watch that tape because, you know, Spence tweeted out LOL very cryptically right around the time that this Boots fight ended. So, you know, if that makes people more willing to fight him, then 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 that's going to help Team Boots in the end. But uh, I just don't – I'm not concerned here. I'm not concerned in this instance. Yeah, I guess concern would be a strong word. I don't know if I'm concerned, but I just – there's some – I find young fighters being flippant. I mean, flippant's a strong word because he is strong defensively overall. But I've just got a certain rule, BC. And here's one thing we don't really talk about. Like, with like for example, in MMA with, with Izzy, right? The, the, the former middleweight champion. Dude, his style is going to scale, not just for championship level ability, but for the next stage in his life, right? Yes, he got knocked out against Pereira here. He got knocked out before. But in general... And, of course, he had the rough Gastelum fight. I mean, he's in a rough business. But in general, you would agree, for a championship-level fighter, he doesn't take hardly any damage at all. That's going to keep him safe in fights, and that's going to set up the next stage of his of his life after fighting. I, I just don't really love it when young fighters are like, eh, I don't really care about his punches. Eh, I don't care about those punches. It's like, mm, you should. You should. You should care a little bit more about it. Even if you can take it and you need to take it, that's fine. But don't run into punches you're too good to run into. I, I just have a little bit of it. And, I, and I'm nitpicking here, right? Uh, yeah, you are. I mean, like you could you could argue that it, it deserves that nitpicking after the, the huge praise that somebody like him gets. This is a rare phenomenon who feels like a finished product at such a young age. And you're going to have to feel that out. I mean, look, look, he may go in there in his biggest test and get knocked out or run out of gas. These are answers we don't have to the questions. But... Don't overcorrect too much, Luke. Yeah, I don't want to overcorrect too advance. much. And also, like, he, like, Chukadzan, we said this when we were watching in real time, right, BC? It was kind of like, obviously, they're very different fighters, but there was something to be said about Chukadzan looked like it was Arislandi Lara out there running out on the outside yes. of the perimeter. <clears throat> and he threw that. Arislandi Lara is a hard guy to look good against, because he, especially in his prime anyway, because he could move and hit and, and then change angles. And he was hard to corner, hard to land on cleanly. cleanly. Chukadzan was that. At the same time, I just, you know, again, if you're going to give him a B plus, you have to say what went wrong, right? Because nothing went perfectly. For me, a little bit too inviting of things he's better than. Uh, I would just like to see him tighten that up. That's it. That's the only thing I have to say. Also, if they didn't give him Spence next and they didn't give him, you know, whoever, and he ended up taking a fight against Ugas, BC, I might like that even more. 
Like, perhaps this is my last consideration about this fight, which was, listen, if they made Spence versus Boots next, I would hardly complain about it. But if this is a learning opportunity, let's give him someone who is elite, who's got a great name as well. Let's see how he does against that one and then graduate. Something like an in-between fight before he gets to the very, very, very top guy in that weight class, whether he's a mandatory or not. I'm completely, I mean, I've loved the idea of the Ugas fight from the beginning, but notice in the post-fight interview, and by the way, I do think because the level of hype equaling the fact that people were booing him so hard. I mean, look, that, that that's why uh, he got booed. He got, he, I mean, he, he got, got the booed. shit booed out of him, okay? But I, mean, I don't think it was a lack of effort of trying to get the finish. It just didn't happen. But, you know, afterwards, I don't think that would have been the platform to make a aggressive call out to Spence, and he didn't. But he did leave open in saying that, like before, I'm willing to fight anybody that he would not be against the winner of this fight that's recently delayed because of the uh, what was it emergency appendectomy to Imantis Staniosis, but yeah. Staniosis, a Lithuanian product, big win over Raja Butayev has this has one of the secondary welterweight titles. He's going to take on Virgil Ortiz Jr. Originally scheduled for March, they pushed it back now with the appendectomy, but Virgil Ortiz is under the Golden Boy banner with the zone, but he's what eighteen and zero with eighteen KOs. You know, I mean, he is power in both hands, aggressive Mexican American style, or just pure Mexican style, walk you down and come after you and go to the body. What about Boots versus the winner of that fight, Luke? If if this Chukadzin fight did anything for you, maybe it's let's slow our roll just a little. Um, Damn, to me, the winner of that fight, in terms of learning more about Boots, I'd be just as excited. But we could also go big. We could also go big and go Thurman, Crawford, Spence, whatever. Um, Because I don't think this is like, oh, you need to go back and really work on your shit. Just didn't happen, Luke. It didn't happen on this night, okay? And I get the fans booing, too. I get it all, okay? Yeah, I mean, most of that goes to Chukadzan, right? He was the one who was, he's boxing, he deserves credit for being a very strong defensive boxer, but that's not bringing the fight, so to speak, to to Ennis. And I think the reality is booing, he, he should get a big credit for that. By the way, I'm looking at his record here, BC. Do you realize that in 2017, Boots fought fought nine times? Nine times he fought yeah. in 2017. And only, <clears throat> let's see, I'm looking at this. Only Two times, three times it went past the first round. Once to the second round, once to the third, once to the fourth. This is the first time he went past the sixth. Um, so, you know, again, he is very well, that, much, I think, look, he, dude, he was. But. That's part of why I'm not going to overcorrect and get too too mad at him. I mean, he'd been destroying good names to the point where, yes, he could be at the point where he is now in a in a interim title bout, which is essentially a glorified number one contender's title bout, right? And he'd never been past the sixth round. So what did he do? He doubled that, doubled the punch output, landed 46% of his power shots, and won every single round. Yeah, we're good here, but I would like him to be busier. I know he wants to, but it's been just waiting around. But, I mean, do you think Staniosis, if he comes out of that Ortiz fight with that big hulking frame, can get inside and go to the body against him? Or do you think Virgil Ortiz is a legitimate test of where of where Boots is right now? Do you like do you like that matchup? Against I like the, the Virgil the Ortiz one a little bit better, uh, personally speaking. I just feel like Staniosis' style is like he might actually be able to do a little bit of something early. Dude, you open up against a guy like Boots like that, yeah. and you're gonna get yeah. eaten alive. I mean, Chukadzan survived because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mad at him. Like he, he fucking boxed. Like Chukadzan's a good boxer, but he ran right. He he did the outside rotational thing. He did not ever stand in front, and that's smart. Like you got to do what you got to do, but he didn't stand there and like bring the offense to Boots. He he kind of was very very selective about it. You bring the offense to Boots, and he, I mean. 
the, the history has shown us he will assassinate you for that. So I don't know that I like that style. But the Virgil Ortiz one is a little bit more interesting because obviously he'll bring the offense as well, but I think it's a little bit more, um, a, little, a little bit trickier of the two. We'll have to see. Uh, BC, any other highlights from the card that you wanted to make note of here? Yeah, I mean, you know, are we are we allowed to say hashtag holy hammer for what we saw out of, <laughs> out of Venezuela's Royman Villa, who had won his U.S. debut on Showbox last September against an unbeaten opponent, but then went in a legitimate step up against unbeaten Speedy Rashidi Ellis. And, you know, through about five rounds, Luke, where Ellis won all, f- all five of the first rounds on all three scorecards, I think we all had the, the effect of, wow, you know, he's not ready for this leap from Showbox level to you know, somebody who sees himself as a title contender and a future uh, Boots opponent in Rashidi Ellis. But, dude, he never stopped trying to come forward and win. He never Mm. got completely reckless, but Royman Villa just kept coming with short power shots. I think that pressure pushed on the gas tank of Ellis, and that finish, that final round, when he rallied to stop Ellis, I'm sorry, drop Ellis twice, which allowed him to come over the top and get sort of a, almost a surprise majority decision win. He doesn't win that without dropping him twice in the 12th. The cr- I mean, that was just some intense, exciting, dramatic, can't believe I was in the arena, glad to have seen it. But, dude, like, I don't know how wh- how far Roman Villa can go. He got pieced up for the majority of this fight. But he's probably going to get a good payday and a rematch with Ellis. And he showed you at the very least that... He's a scary individual, and he does not stop fighting. I get my Donna vibes from him, Luke. They're not the same yes. fighters offensively, but just that, like, I'm not backing down. I am coming until I can come no more, Luke. And and damn, dude, ha- put this guy on your hashtag holy hammer list, okay? Hell yeah. Because this was a monster step up against a legitimate talent, and he got the win. And even though we may have been surprised that he didn't get screwed, or maybe you thought Ellis should have been up one round, but... Dude, he needed to hit, you know, he needed to hit a grand slam in the final inning, and and he did it twice. You know, I mean, it was crazy. It's amazing a job by him. And to your point about Madonna, yeah, he's not quite Madonna, but, like, he's so reliable for consistent, hard-nosed offense. From the beginning of the first round to the end of the 12th, in your face, throwing punches with maximum intent, vicious to the body, a great uppercuts, as you can see here, putting combinations together. He's very, very, very hard to dislike. A lot of things good about him. Now, again, there's a question about his upside as well. Fair enough. But in this night, he did. He waited as long as he basically possibly could to win. But he was patient enough, consistent enough. And when basically his style never dropped off through the course of 12. It was ineffective at first, but it didn't really drop off. Ellis started off very high and just couldn't maintain. And then, then when that switch happened, dude, Ellis had uh, Ellis was trapped in there with Roy Mangavia. So a, a phenomenal job by him. For me, BC, the note for me that's kind of sad is obviously we had uh, Bubu Andre win. But the thing I wanted to point out was for me, Lamont Peterson actually made his return from retirement on yeah. the untelevised portion of the prelims card. Now, BC and I called it at 645. There were three fights on the prelims we did call. This was prior to that. Lamont Peterson is um, one of the best boxers in D.C. history. Certainly one of the more celebrated figures. He had a big fight against Amir Khan that he won. Somewhat controversially, but he won it in 2011. And he had some big fights. But it all kind of came apart at the end. He had a fight against Errol Spence. And that was a a big disaster for him. That was in 2018. 
He retired after a bout in 2019 with Sergey Libanitz at the MGM National Harbor. Which was a which, war. Was which an was an absolute war. war. It was brutal. And it was a brutal. I mean, back to back, the Spence fight, he took a beating. And then the Libanitz fight, it was, it was rough and tumble. And then he retired in 2019. I thought that was a good time to close it all off. And he came back. I am told he had a falling out with his, I guess, adoptive father, and I don't know what their legal status is now, but I guess he and Anthony Peterson, his father, had, or his brother, had a falling out with Barry Hunter. Barry Hunter is the head of the Headbangers Gym here in D.C., but it has famously was his coach for a long time, pulled both boys out of foster care. <clears throat> they had a falling out. I'm not sure who was cornering him here. Lamont Peterson fought Michael Ogundo, who is a 16 and 16 journeyman, basically, and stopped Lamont Peterson in the fourth. And BC, if you just look at Peterson's physique, he looked to be in like really great shape physically. Like he clearly had trained, he clearly had dieted, he did all the road work, like all that was great. Dude, he looked brittle. He yeah, looked this, brittle. This had, you know, Ortiz Liddell three vibes. It was really sad to see. He fought a 40 year old opponent with a 500 record, as you mentioned, and as soon as clean punches started landing, and they weren't, I mean, look, they were arm punches. They were wild arm punches, and those were enough to to badly wobble Lamont. And, you know, look, when the chin goes, it goes, Luke. He's had a great career. He tried once more, but uh, it was that, <laughs> it's about as sad as it gets in this game. I mean, it gets sadder, unfortunately, but that that's pretty sad, you know? Yeah, it definitely gets worse. Uh, but for a guy who, I was there that night he beat Khan. It was at the convention center. I remember when they announced his name, and then the place erupted. I remember all the media tours. I remember all of that very, 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 very vividly. To go from that to this is like, I and hope I he stays retired. I don't want to rain on your DC parade, and that con fight was was dramatic and fun as shit, but I do want to remind the world of a couple of things. One, Amir Khan won that fight and got screwed on the scorecards. Two, Peterson punched below the belt routinely and did not he get did, in trouble for it I don't, in that I don't know fight. about the first part, but I agree with the second part. Yeah, Three, there was a big conspiracy about the man in the black hat at ringside that Khan started. I don't know about that. But four, Lamont tested positive for PEDs after that fight, and yeah. they didn't change it to a no contest. He kept that win. So, you know, he, he showed he did a have next... A doctor, I think he did have a doctor's prescription for it. But to your point, yes. Yeah, he showed a next-level willingness to go in the trenches in that fight, and it worked out for him. But let's not – I don't want to rewrite history completely, all right? That's just... Yeah, we're not going to rewrite history. You're not going to change what that meant for me. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to do that. But anyway, that's uh, Okay, but postscript that. on your city, Luke, and now this is my second helping in a year. I'm, I'm really liking D.C. I'm really yeah. – I mean, I mean, look, the architecture, the, the history, the, the culture, um, you know – could you find service workers with a more polite attitude and maybe, you know, two waters and two coffees don't cost $40, Luke? I'd love to see some of those changes echoing the same complaints from my family vacation last year. But um, I, I, BC and DC, I'd, I'd like to see that happen more often. All right. BC can't quite comprehend how he can go to the Starbucks, regale the baristas with his charming humor and them not find it charming he's like well i mean look these, the no these guys are, all, they all have such sour attitudes you sure it's them you sure the no selling begins when i say hi okay and it, and it does carry through my you know hello my baby hello you know it carries all the way through that okay uh all right let's go to point number four let's talk about some mma here because we did actually have some big news even though we didn't have some big fights this one to me i guess surprising but not surprising right like it caught you off guard but then when you think about it you're like well i guess it kind of makes sense Habib Nurmagomedov took to Instagram to announce that he's basically leaving MMA entirely. What he said was, and there was a translation from a caption written in Russian, 
Quote, the year certainly turned out to be very busy and successful. Take care of yourself, brothers. I hope my decision is only for the best. A big hug to you all. He apparently wants to step away. Not, of course, he's already retired as a fighter, but he wants to step away from any kind of promotion around Eagle FC as well as coaching. Now, we don't know what that means for Islam Makachev in his upcoming bout at UFC 284, I believe, against uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. In fact, Damon Martin of MMA Fighting BC says sources close to Nurmagomedov speaking to MMA Fighting confirmed that the 34-year-old Dagestani native will be, quote, taking some time off for his family, end quote, but that doesn't necessarily signal he's leaving coaching behind forever. A source stated Nurmagomedov, quote, never knows what may happen in the future. I'm going to guess that that source is Ali. I don't know that, but I'm going to guess that. BC, but he could be gone, and he could be gone for some time, maybe permanently. Your reaction to Nurmagomedov essentially saying, I've had enough of MMA for at least a good little while. It only continues the amount of respect I have for Habib the person, Habib the athlete. And, you know, is he perfect? Could we dig up some things you could on everybody? And the more we dig in this sport, unfortunately, the the, the darker it sometimes becomes. But I've always loved this guy. And to see the quotes, I think Kevin Ioli was the one who caught up with Javier Mendez uh, on Yahoo Sports. And Javier said, look, it, it comes down to Habib as a dad. He's got three young kids. He's away constantly in training camps promoting his, his you know, all that. I mean, look, he, he does. You do seem to see him everywhere, Luke. I mean, look, he walked away on top as the pound-for-pound pound king, undefeated, right, you know, coming off of the Conor fight, more or less, w- with with where his, his brand was just on a global level, was just next level. And he walked away as a promise to his parents. And and while it was extremely noble to see him carry on in his late father, Abdul Manap's, you know, lineage, you know, along with Javier Mendez and, and a lot of the same fighters go to AKA and all that in California, but... To show you that, damn, like carrying on the father's business and proving to be as great a coach as he is a fighter in the short window that we've seen. But now to say no, family always was and still is most important to me. I mean, it's so rare in this game when somebody's able to author the end of their combat story and do it on their own terms. And we, I, I mean, I, I could never but do nothing but applaud people who say, yeah, I think I'm done. Even when we look at them at their age and what they have left and go, oh man, I still want to see this and this and this. And now he's done that in coaching, which you could get the, you know, you get the, you get the picture that he could just drop everything and just be a full-time coach and, and, you know, stay on where he's going and keep being that legend and keep finding new young talent and grooming them up. But Luke, not to change this, this over into a life talk, but you do only get those, those kids of your own for so long. Mm. And you do only have such a short window and we may not travel as much as Habib, but you and I travel too and go through that same battle that a lot of people do of, of pushing your own career in this direction for financial, you know, freedom and, and fame and all that, or taking care of what at the end of the day is more important. So, uh, yeah, I applaud you Habib for being a man. And I don't think that means he's done. I think we'll see him again. And he's probably always going to be a mentor to all of these guys. And maybe he does complete the task and go show up in Perth with Mahachev. Although, as Javier Mendez said himself to Ioli, that's still uh, you know not certain up to this point. But um, I love this guy, Luke. When I look at somebody who represents the sport, to me, it's Habib Nurmagomedov. And this sport's got a lot of shady characters, okay? But I, I love the I love what he stands for at the end of the day. I gotta tell you, like, I obviously we we don't live Habib's life. We have no idea what it's like to be as globally famous. Obviously, he's an icon for many different communities, including his own. 
Um, in the in the Muslim world, he's a he's a big star there as well. In Russia, he's a big star. Hell, in the United States, he's a fucking huge star. You know, he's a big star everywhere. He's made a lot of money, not just from his fight. Actually, I would say he's probably made more outside of fighting than he has with fighting. But certainly, he's done well for himself. If you've got three children, I I I'd stop too, right? BC, I hate to admit this, but if you won the lottery and you won a hundred million dollars. I don't know if you're good, you would be here for Wednesday's show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you would just go do something, and your children are a little bit older than mine, but my daughter's three. Like, you know, and I, I will say this too. I mean, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one, with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Don't get me wrong. Please, please don't, don't misunderstand me. Like, we're going to London next month, and, you know, you guys had to travel down here. It was a home game for me, but it was essentially, you know, the road crew all over again. I'm so grateful for these opportunities. They, they've been what I've been wanting for so long. But it does sort of, it has dawned on me, like, I don't love the fact that when I was single and had no one waiting for me at home, I spent all those years working here, and now that I do have a wife and a kid waiting for me, I'm now on the road much more than I ever was before. And, you know, I wish I could have that reversed. I, I wish it wasn't necessarily that case, but that's just not the life that we have. And, and so you have to roll with it onwards. But if you're Habib and you've already won the title, you fulfilled your promise to your mother and then you retired and then you shepherded it to make sure that the next in line in your own um, inner circle, so to speak, with Islam Makachev, you made sure that he got the title and now you want to spend time with your kids and you're financially successful. I, I totally get it. I completely support it. I understand it, at least on some level anyway. Um, I think it's the probably the right call. You, you, I got one piece of advice when I became a dad, and, and it's really rung true. And BC, you know this as well, which is, man, your kid's childhood goes fast, fast, so much faster than you realize. One moment they're not walking, then they are, and then they can dress themselves, and now they can make complete sentences, and they can run and play and climb, and they can talk to you, and they have ideas, and they, it just goes so quickly the more you miss that you don't you don't get any of that time back it doesn't ever circle back around again you miss those you're done and so for me I really understand it what I would say though is I do wonder what kind of impact it will have on that team do they have the other resources in place to make sure that they know they they know what Habib would want but does he as a figure have to be there to make sure that it works that part we don't know it's like it's like the good news is Javier Mendez is there with an all-star gym that produces champions and has always sort of been there behind Habib and helping these guys and not always maybe getting the full credit. So that's great, but you're right. When we do hear details of people who have trained with Habib or gone in and witnessed, like they're like, you know, it's it's a, it's a drill sergeant out there who demands a next level work ethic and approach. So can that be replicated? Probably not, but 
you know, I'm still, I'm sure from a stra- strategical standpoint, he's still going to be there in a lot of people's lives and, and it's still going to be available. But I mean, dude, like Luke, how many people could have been courted by Dana White that many times when he was a retired fighter who wanted to stay retired? And Dana went on that six month campaign of like, well, he's not like, like really retired. Like, hold on. I got dinner with him coming up again. Didn't you just have dinner with him like three times in the last three months? Yeah, I got another dinner with him planned again. And this time we're bringing the whole Brinks truck in there. We're backing it in. I mean, he walked away from that. It's wild, Luke. That's wild. And this is just another step in that direction to me. So uh, respect, respect all the way. But uh, yeah, let's see if, yeah, let's see if everybody can carry on on the same level. I mean, there's a lot of people in his family. There's a lot of people in his extended circle that look to be next right now coming on in this game. So yeah. yeah, we'll see, Luke, but we'll I think you made see. the right choice. Because, look, think about it. They're in your house for such a, your children. They're in your house for such a short period. But then they're in their life for the rest. And that's an extreme, you know, when all things go right, it's in a, it's a much longer time. I mean, you 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 want to be friends with them during that stretch. You want them to still come to you. You want to still have that relationship. That can only be built now. And I don't always get it right, Luke, but I do always remember that showing up is is 90% of it. You know what I'm saying? Showing up with a smile and a kind, encouraging word and a and a little lesson there and there. I mean, uh, that is what this is all about. Luke, there's the, you can win a lot of MMA podcast awards, Luke, but Tuki Thomas, that's that's the only that's the only measuring stick I've got to whether you're a, whether you've added anything to this world. And so far, Luke, congratulations, okay? Yeah, I tell my daughter she's beautiful and intelligent every night before we, she goes to sleep. Every single night. Every single night. Uh, I want her to understand that that's that's a truth about her. I think she will. But you're right. And when just I'm not there, here, you have to just you literally just have to be there. Like you don't have to be like the the A plus dad every time. Half of the problems, shit. Most of the problems, just show up. Just be there, right? Yeah, and you know when I'm not here, Reggie Jackson, the cat, screams at the top of his lungs all day for me. Luke. <laughs> I, bet, I bet he does. All right, I'd love to take that guy on the road. Imagine if I became that guy, Luke. Dude, I, okay, so it's funny you mentioned that. So I, I grew up um, on the further on the east side of town, and there was this park there called Lincoln Park, and I took my daughter back there because when I was a kid, that's where you got stabbed and mugged and shit. So we could mm-hmm. only play there during daylight hours. Now it's, you know, picnics and labradoodles and shit because the city's completely changed. But uh, So I took her there because it's now nice, and we saw, I'm not doing a bit here, we saw this lady with a backpack, and in the backpack there was a cat and then the top of the backpack had like this, like this old school, I'm going underwater helmet. You know what I mean? Like, I, or, I own uh, that backpack, Luke. I own that backpack. <laughs> and dude, she was walking her fucking cat. That's you? Yeah, only one of my three cats is willing to go in the bubble. Uh, Reggie, uh, you know, he'll, he'll kill me to get out of that backpack. Uh, so uh, it doesn't work with him. I tried well, to dude, take him dude. on a leash around the yeah. neighborhood and he got out of the leash. I mean, it was almost a disaster, Luke. So right? I've done the leash bit with the cats. You can't put the you can't put the collar on them. You got to put the harness. The harness yeah. is the thing that they can't quite squirm out of as easily. Uh, all right, BC, point number five, and then we'll wrap it here for our top five. Uh, MMA. It's back, ladies and gentlemen. I know that you have been missing it. We, of course, have been missing it, even though we've been enjoying covering some boxing. So you've got one this weekend, which folks are just not talking about. I'm very surprised by that. One on Prime Video 6 is going to be this week, uh, I think this Friday. Then on top of that, you're going to have UFC Fight Night, Imavov versus Gastelum, and I think LFA is there as well. BC, you can go first. Which bout are you most looking forward to this weekend and why? Uh, you know, Luke, everybody's got different likes in their in their eyes. 
people they'll forgive and give nine lives to. You know, there's a good portion of the CBS Sports MMA editorial team who probably hate me because, you know, I still think Kelvin Gastelum's got something left in the tank, Luke, and maybe I always will. Maybe I always will. And, you know, he fought like a champion in defeat against Adesanya. Dude, I, against Whitaker, he, he, you know, he brought, I mean, look, he brought it, Luke. He's gotten close. He's also put together a lot of defeats against some very big names. And he's still just 31, but you look at the most recent stretch and it's one win, five defeats. Um, I thought he's entered sort of a make-or-break, must-win sort of situation before, and he survived, and he does tend to show out against very good competition, as I mentioned. But, Luke, this main event against Nassar Dean Imavov, who's on a very good stretch of his own, I mean, those last three victories to get to this level, absolutely legit. Um, I wonder if it's really this time, now or never, for Gastelum. And I expect him to absolutely bring it, Luke, but we have seen him have incredible training camps and say the right things before only to get, you know, absolutely subbed out by Jack Hermanson in less than two minutes. And, you know, I don't know if I ever told you, Luke, but UFC 236, the co-main event, I was there in the press row with an orange orange pullover. And uh, I know how great this guy can be, but, you know, I'm going to have to give up the gag in the routine too. Is this just... Let's give Imanov, Imamov the biggest name he's had yet and find out if Nasruddin is truly ready to, to to take on, you know, top five, top seven guys. Or is this the the, the last stand for, for, for one of the last remaining Cowboys in this game, Kelvin Gastelum, Luke? That's got me tuned in for must-see TV on Saturday. I don't, I don't assume you agree with anything I just said, but uh, let me ask you then. Is it is it win or go home here for Gastelum? It's a little bit. It's a little bit. I mean, Imavov is on a nice win streak. He's got wins over Ian Heinish, Shabazian, and then his last one, Joaquin Buckley. Now, that one got a little bit dicey for him at the end, but in general, he was doing really well in it, and, he, of course, he gets the dub. You know, this is a guy who you would have thought, like, Kelvin Gastelum at his peak would easily, or, you know, would, you know, comfortably, let's say, beat this guy. But we don't really know where Kelvin Gastelum is. We don't really know exactly what's happening. Obviously, he has already left Kings MMA and had a fight underneath the new banner he's in, I think, with Arizona Fight Sports, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, you know, so he's still working some things out, and I applaud him trying to switch it up and figure out what's best for him. Like, I, I don't think any of those were mistakes necessarily. He needed to do something different. Perhaps that was it. But, dude, like, if you're going to make a move, man, like, now, right now, right now is the time. We have seen him do well. We have seen him do poorly. The question is, could a change bring him back to that glory? If this change doesn't, it's really hard to know what would unless he's able to go back to 170. But, of course, all the weight-cutting issues around that make us think that that's probably not a great idea either. In other words, man, it's going to be hard to call any single bout make or break. There are occasions in fight sports where that can be the case. I don't know that this would be that case, but it's very close. I mean, if he very loses close here... To make or break. Although he was never a champion, if he loses here, this would be a a big rig level of just like, wow, it's over. Where did it all go? Johnny Hendricks, like just like a dude, you were just the champion and now it's now it's over. Right. I mean, it it would be, you know, maybe people don't ever think of Gaslam on the same level I have in, in rare spots. But, you know, this would be a monster, a guy who's 31 who probably would get big free agent offers outside of this. But. Damn, and look, this is not an easy fight, dude. Nesterdin Imovov, and we're seeing the pictures against that Buckley fight, which was wild, and Buckley kept pouring it on late. But, 
I mean, dude, he's he's going in there against the Shabazzians, against that level of guy. I mean, who did he stop before that? It was uh, Ian uh, Heinis Heinish. before that. Mm-hmm. The only loss in the UFC was the majority decision to Phil Hawes. This is a guy who's putting it together, and you know he doesn't always get that same Dagestan holy hammer. Let me grab it out of the cupboard. Claim because he grew up in France, but you know Imavov is from Dagestan, Luke, and you can take the the boy out of the factory, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? But I, I you, can't, you saying. can't remove BC. his hammer. You can't BC. remove his hammer, Luke. BC, uh, Gastelum hasn't had back-to-back wins since 2017-2018 when he beat Michael Bisping, who was coming off that terrible... Well, it was a great fight against St. Pierre, but he had... That's not a real out. win. I give that win as much credit as I give Sterling over Dillashaw, Luke. Seriously. Okay. The, Bisping okay, should enough. not have been in that fight. Should fine. Not have been That's fine. That's fine. I agree with that. He shouldn't have taken that fight. It was terrible for him. And then he beat Jacare. Split decision, but he got the job done. That, and that, that put him in the position to get the Robert Whitaker fight, but then that fell through... So then he had the interim against Izzy. Great fight, but he lost. Then he loses split to till. Then he just gets run over by Jack Hermanson. Rebounds with a nice win over Ian Heinish, but it wasn't a stoppage. Then loses to Robert Whitaker. Then loses to Jared Cannonier. Uh, was supposed to fight Imavov before and Drikas Duplessis. Those both f- fell through, and now he's back around with Imavov. This is a, uh, this would be, if he loses this, that would mean he won one of his last, let's see, three, six, seven. He, he would be one in seven. Uh, or one in six of his well, last. Would you seven. agree? That's crazy. Ability wise and game planning, and sometimes I think his game planning has been inconsistent. Sometimes he he puts himself into damage too easily and all that. But you would admit he's not only you know better than his recent record, way better, right? Would I agree that Gaslam is way better than his record? No, I think he's better than his record. I don't know if he's okay. way better. All right. Well, Luke, I'll, I'm going to give up the ghost if he loses this one. And by the way, he might. I'm, do you have the odds in front of you? I'm interested to see wh- how how uh, Vegas has this. I can tell you. Just give me a second. I can, I'm pulling them up. All right, as I've, we I've got it right here. Minus two twenty. Our friends at Caesars. Minus two twenty. Imavov plus one eighty. Gaslam. So they are showing him the right. respect. Luke, how good is Imavov? Because uh, that three fight win streak has been very escalatory. But that was a tough fight against uh, Numanza, who who you know used. Every ounce of potential explosive power punching ability he had up until the final second. How good's this guy, Nassar Dean? Uh, he's good, but like if you look at all the guys he's beaten. Heinish is good, he's got good cardio. And that was that's probably one of his better wins, to be quite honest with you. The Shabazian win, not sure what to make of it. Um, you know, Shabazian is of either he's shining or he's falling apart. I think I think the move to Vegas is doing him some wonders, but you know what I'm talking about. And Buckley was kind of run over early but then surge late i think there's some questions about imavov he's clearly well-rounded he comes from one of the best teams in all of france i mean he's very very good he's very well-rounded he can he can do a lot of different things i'd say he's probably a little bit actually i'm not quite sure if i agree with that but um gastelum again the version of gastelum who fought izzy would beat imavov but what version are we going to get i i simply do not know i don't know fair now sticking with that card bc sticking with that card I'm actually, the, by the way, there's a lot of decent fights on this card. Um, Kevin yeah. Pierre versus Raquel Pennington is a great fight. Speaking of Nurmagomedov, Umar Nurmagomedov, who's undefeated, taking on Hayoni Barcelos. That should be a lot of fun. But the one I've got my eye on, BC, it's undefeated versus undefeated. Two guys in their 20s, top prospects, not yet contenders, but everything they've shown us has been amazing. Mateus Mendoza out of Brazil, taking on Javid Basharat. Out of Afghanistan, obviously he fights now out of Extreme Couture. Jake Shields is one of his coaches. Two undefeated guys, 10-0 from Mendoza, 13-0 from Basharat, both coming off the Contender Series. Mendoza had an, a just an amazing win 
over Ashik Ajim in his last fight, which was the Contender Series one to get into this one. And Javid Basharat has looked very good through the UFC. His last one over Tony Gravely, which was a decision. Um, both guys, I would say here's the thing, what I'll say. The reason why I like it is because two guys in their 20s, undefeated. Someone's always got to go. Great camps, good athletes. They can do a lot of different things. Basharat, to me, is the more well-rounded of the two. Mendoza, the slightly more dangerous of the two in terms of like punching power uh, and, and his ability to make reads and adjustments. He just seems like a little bit quicker in that regard. But Javid Basharat can do anything. He Everything he's good at, plus he has good cardio. This fight should be very fun. And frankly, I'm almost surprised that they made it because I kind of thought that these two guys would be on their own path of like separate contenders and then they'll fight when they're separate prospects, I should say. And then they'll fight at the top when they're eventually both reach it. But they're going to have a matchup now. This is one to watch. And it's hard to know exactly what might happen. Basharat with a little bit more experience. And again, I would say more well-rounded. But Mendoza is a handful. And this one should be very fun. And Luke, uh, you want a banger? How about uh, Punalehi Soriano against Roman oh, Kopilov? Yeah. That'll be uh, that'll be worth your time and, and investment right there. So and, and, and people up. are going to complain that this is the co-main event because, like, should this fight be a co-main event? You know, probably not. But as just a good fight or a bad fight, it's a good one. Dan Ige taking on Damon Jackson. Damon Jackson has totally, I would say, reformed his career and has had a great surge of late. Dan Ige had a strong surge about a year or two ago and is now looking to reclaim some of the lost space that he has suffered as a consequence of some losses against very tough guys, you know, Calvin Cater and many others. Um, so this is a really well-matched Luke, does, uh, does Ige, as well. Does Ige survive the potential of a fourth straight defeat here? He could. I think if he really goes for it, he could. And by the way, okay. Damon Jackson is not going to like... You know, he's not going to do the uh, Chukadzan bit where he just jabs in circles. I mean, he is an in-your-face, lock-up-on-the-wrestling kind of terms, which Dan Ige is, would be, you would think, might like some of that. I think Ige would probably prefer to strike in this contest, but he is a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He, by the way, I would say Ige has also fought overall better guys than Damon Jackson, but that's sort of, sort of the whole point. Damon's trying to get to the place that Ige used to be. Ige wants to get back there, and he's got to beat the guy who's surging you kind of got to like that one a lot. And also, Rabdul Razak Alhassan, who is, you know, just a complete knockout artist. He's on this card as well. J- Jimmy Flick is back against Charles Johnson. This should be a fun little card, BC. Look, before we get into what one has to offer, and there's obviously some sad news linked to that as well in the news cycle, um, you know, I don't know if you can call this a super sloppy special because it doesn't necessarily fit into that category, but is it a BC special? Did you see that fight that the UFC booked for February? Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, the Tatiana Suarez bout. Yeah, She's women's on flyweight. De La Rosa, correct? Yeah, dude, we've been, you know, call. it's going to go down Feb- February 25th, uh, UFC Vegas 70. I don't know the location there, but Luke, we've been wanting Tatiana Suarez, who's been constantly in and out of the lineup with injuries, to arrive here at 125 and find out, do we have another future title contending name to add to this suddenly growing group behind Valentina? It's a good matchup here. Martina De La Rosa is coming off a defeat, Luke, but she's still kind of putting her game together in motion here. Uh, this is a really good test to find out exactly where Suarez is because you can only carry that dark dark horse title contender, you know, reputation for for so long, and and it's not her fault with the injuries. But it's time now. It's time to go here at 125. So, dude, I'm looking forward to that one big time. Yeah, that should be really fun. And also, we should talk about one now. One has a card. One on Prime Video Six. 
This is going to be on Prime. This is this is what I mean about about one. This is like the blessing and the curse of one, right? The blessing is, and I've said this before, they've got the most unique product outside of the UFC because they do Muay Thai with four ounce gloves, and they also do kickboxing. And by the way, also on this card is Mikey Musumeci, who's going to be having a pro grappling contest. So they've got all of this weird, fun stuff. They have a different rule set. They have a different uh, scoring system. I mean, they've got they got a lot of different things going on, which really sets them apart. And that's great. That's a good thing. But the problem is they have largely appealed to a market outside of our own with a lot of names that come from outside of our own. I don't know if American fans are going to be ready for a main event between Superbon and Chingiz Alazov or Alazov. And I'm told from the kickboxing audience, this is, um, excuse me, uh, yes, from the kickboxing audience, that these two are just the bee's knees. This is a tremendous contest. I'm happy to believe that. It's just that's going to be a difficult sell on a Friday night to an American audience, right? Yes. I think that's not unfair to say. And there is some tragic news, BC, related to a death on the one roster. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, uh, we know the, the, the Lee family in MMA has been the first family of sorts for one championship from um, Angela Lee to Christian Lee, world champions. But their younger sister, Luke, so young, just 3-0, and Victoria Lee, just 18 years old, right, from Hawaii, uh, had just begun to carry on in the family's lineage there uh, under the one championship banner. Uh, considered a prodigy but passes away. We don't know the story in terms of the the cause or anything like that, but her older sister kind of broke it to the world. Uh, man, I mean, until we know more of the story, it's hard to react in many ways beyond just being very upset of a, of a talented, young, exciting, passionate uh, mixed martial artist who was, you know, looking to do some big things. And, and we only got to see her three times at the pro level here. But, uh, man, dude, gone too soon. Doesn't, doesn't begin it, Luke. Uh, 18 years old part of a fighting family. It's really sad news to to try to take down here to start the week. No doubt about it. I don't know what else to say about it. There was no cause of death revealed. Who who, who knows? Um, Angela Lee in her post on Instagram just said, to, you know, if you got a loved one, hug them tonight, which is... Yeah. People want to read into that and say, like, does it mean that something... Uh, I, I'm not going to speculate, but I'm just going to say that it's terrible. We send our uh, deepest condolences to the Lee family and uh, to to one as well. I'm dealing with a situation like that, whatever whatever the cause may be. Um, terrible, truly terrible. Yeah. 18, just 18 years old, really, just um, awful, awful news. Unfortunately, not that I not that I expect some good news from one championship to try to offset that, Luke, because it could never live up to it. But can I get you excited about a recently announced one championship bout? Can you? All right. How about this? One fight night eight is going to go down Friday, March 24th. A heavyweight world title unification bout in the main event. Arjan Bular and Anatoly Malikin, who just sent RDR to the land of winding ghosts, as you would say, and is a has the interim heavyweight strap, a now a two division champion himself. Uh, Dude. This is what 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 MMA fans in this in this uh, space have wanted. They're getting it, dude. And uh, the more we can see of this guy, Anatoly Malikin, God, he's a hammer. But how good is this fight going to be, Luke? Arjun can bang too. Arjun can bang. He's a good wrestler. Uh, he was fought for the UFC, I think, briefly, um, and he moved to one. I think, uh, obviously, of Indian descent, which is a big source of pride for him and his fans as well. 
And there was some contract dispute because he didn't want, I think they wanted him to take this without getting a new deal. He wanted a new deal. So if they made the fight, I guess that means that they got the contract situation resolved, which is great for Arjun. It's great for one. It's great for this fight. And it's a title unification. He has been the interim champ, as you indicated. Uh, he's actually double champ because he's the interim heavyweight champ and he's the full on light heavyweight champ. So they're going to, they're going to solidify that heavyweight, light heavyweight, uh, excuse me, heavyweight interim heavyweight title between Buller and then between Malakin. But Malakin, a revelation in 2022 about how good he is, definitely one to pay attention to in this upcoming year and in that bout as well. Should and I didn't want want you to forget for, for this Friday's one on Amazon card that Rod Tang is back in yes. a uh, kickboxing match. And, uh, dude, how about Stamp Fairtex, who is a women's atomweight MMA fighter who just makes incredibly fun fight after incredibly fun fight. Do you know uh, about her decorated kickboxing partner, uh, opponent, excuse me, uh, Anissa Mexin? Have you heard of her? I could lie and tell you that I knew a lot about her, but I'm not going to do that. Okay, she's 34 from France, but has a very decorated kickboxing background uh, coming into this fight. This I've heard this is going to be an absolute war, and it's going to be Kickboxing a, a is perhaps my biggest blind spot in all of the composite sports of MMA. Um, it's just the one I know and understand the least, unfortunately, but perhaps this year we can make a change in that. Okay. Uh, all right, BC. Gary Tonin, too. I didn't want to cut you off there, but yes, look, I Gary Tonin's on this card as well. I thought you're a mm-hmm. big Gary Tonin fan, so I wanted the world to know that. There you go. Uh, he'll be back as well. All right, I want to remind folks, as we kick off the new year, we want to remind you about our favorite sponsor, Money Lion. We created the Hammer of the Month to spotlight undercard fighters who aren't getting the recognition they deserve. Aaron Blanchfield, of course, was our winner in November, and for December, Ilya Topuria won with his dominant win over Bryce Mitchell. So remember to tweet us at your nominees all throughout January with with the hashtag Hammer of the Month. You can also use hashtag Holy Hammer so we can reward someone for their incredible performance. You can go to moneylion.com slash morningcombat to learn more on how to enter. So I've got I've got Royman Villa, who was on the Showtime pay-per-view main card that we talked about on this list for consideration. Luke, we'll find out this weekend on the one uh, uh, championship or UFC fight night return who can add themselves to that. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, Luke. I got to find out, is the hammer in transit to to to, to Casa Tuporia? Can we get this on film? I don't know. Luke? We have to look into that. We'll, we'll have to ask about it. I'm not sure what the status with that is. Okay. Somebody's going to get a massive hammer to put their hands around, Luke. I can't wait to see it. That's right. All right. Let's do, uh, it's time for when you guys ask us the questions. It's time for DMs from the Diggity Donks. Um, right. he- hee-haw. Hee-haw. Uh, okay. BC from Lane Maker. Hi, Luke and BC. Gervonta's scary scrambling of Garcia's brain got me thinking about we don't, why we don't see the same lights-out power from more 135ers in MMA. Is this because Gervonta is an outlier, or can this be attributed to the differences in training between the two different sports? Keep up the great work, blah, blah, blah. BC, I'm going to say it's probably a little of column A, column B, but mostly column A. Gervonta is a freak. He's a freak. He has freak-level power. Now, he does probably have much sharper technique and much more drilled, naturally inculcated understanding of how to throw a punch in a more dynamic way than most 135ers. But the real big difference in what he can do and what everyone else can do is he just has, he was born with an incredible gift that he uses to dramatic effect. Right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's anything of MMA versus boxing or any, or or if these weight classes aren't known part, in particular for bringing guys who can bang, that's, that's not the case at all. I mean, I used to know a guy named John Lineker, Luke, who used to bang a lot at 35, right? Yeah, but he, he throws big, wild punches. 
Like Gervonta I mean, there, there's something much cleaner, efficient. Yeah, punch. there's something special about Gervonta's power. It, it really is. Where where the where the average punch can can land certainly with more pop and just that one punch thudding. I mean, the dude, look at the Leo Santa Cruz highlight. That's absolutely dude. Ridiculous. We talked. We so we had Bob Santos at the weigh-in <clears throat> show, right? So we, Bob Santos is the trainer for uh, Hector Garcia, the guy he just fought. But Bob Santos trains with like a lot of like very high-level boxers. And has said that he had seen like, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of rounds of Gervonta sparring because he's been in the gym with him. Like he's just watched it. And he said he has personally seen a high level uh, 154 pounder get dropped and finished by Gervonta in training. I mean, that dude can fucking he can fucking thump, man. (laughs) Like there's a lot of things you can say about Gervonta positively or negatively, but he has ungodly power. For a guy at 135 pounds, it's just very rare. I mean, it's a gift, that. Luke. Do you remember growing up and you know playing baseball, and there'd be those that skinny, wiry kid who can just throw heat, and you're like, "Yes, how? I don't get it." You know what I, I mean? And you know how many great punchers in boxing have been long, skinny, wiry guys too? It's just, you know, could could you work on certain things to improve your power? Sure, you know what I mean. You know your your technique and being able to, to generate power from your legs, all that good stuff. But sometimes people just have that thing that hits you and you go you go flying, and and that's just the deal, dude. You ever get in a snowball fight with somebody who was like a pitcher, Luke? You'd find that out quickly. Yeah, and then they put ice inside, and then the snow on the outside. That yeah. used to be. I think that be was fun. just not. All right, from at Cole underscore Brown eight five eight. Has there ever been another situation in a fight where it was paused due to a fight in the crowd, like what happened with Gervonta Davis in round eight over the weekend? Now, you had mentioned the the what's-his-face guy who parachuted in. Yeah, the fan the man one? in the second Riddick Bow evander Holyfield fight in Las Vegas in, what, 93, the fan man incident stopped the fight, and Riddick Bow's corner then beat the shit out of the fan man <laughs> like he needed to be hospitalized for a long time. Um, you may recall Floyd Mayweather versus Zab Judah on pay-per-view from around 2006 where uh, members of the opposing corners got into a fight. Judah got involved, and that stopped the action. That wasn't a crowd fight, but no. I don't, you know, Both of those situations involved what was more going on in the ring but I don't remember a, a, fan, a crowd brawl in during a fight. After a fight, there's been some hellacious crowd balls. Gr- crowd brawls. Bo versus Galata one is you know the quick quick turn memory one on that one. But uh, no, dude, I, I cannot remember this. I mean, you know, if you reach back on the tape, Gervonta's look. He keeps looking back at the crowd, then back over here, you know. And maybe Luke, because it invo- it was so close to the ring, it involved everyone's attention shifting, which is not abnormal because. There's been big fights and crowds during combat sports, you know, in recent memory for a long time, but it involved like celebrities, active fighters, Steven Espinosa, uh, Steven Espinosa, Showtime Sports is right in the middle of that. So I wonder if all that played into it, but it was the referee's discretion. And I kind of feel like it's the right call because that was a little too close for comfort to the actual ring. You agree? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was, I mean, it was, it happened in the celebrity section. I mean, it's usually the place that's the most protected or secluded in some kind of way. And so that made it a little bit weird because that's why it was so distracting. Both Garcia and Davis were like looking over being like, what the fuck is going on here? And the referee just kind of had to be like, all right, time. He was kind of like bullied into it almost in a way. Um, It didn't ultimately, I think, affect the way the fight was going to happen, which is good, by the way. Imagine if it did. Imagine if like it had derailed the direction the fight seemed to be heading. That didn't happen, so the, right. we actually kind of lucked out. But it could and that's have been what happened in, in Bo Holyfield. Bo Holyfield, they were outdoors. It was cold at night in Las Vegas. 
And that changed the complexion of that fight completely. But also Bo found out his pregnant wife got caught up in the melee and had to be taken to the hospital. So that, you know, a lot of extra factors there as well. But yeah, it's weird. It's weird, dude. You don't see that often. That's for sure. Uh, All right. From at Ryan Wilson underscore films. Luke has to have a one on one dinner with John Jones, Dana White or Colby Covington. Who is he choosing? Oh, wow. Choosing starvation. Um, You're choosing Colby and you know it. Why would I choose Colby? What the fuck? Is the other two would not. The, the other two would not walk through that door, Luke. I don't think Colby would walk through that door either. Yeah, he would. He would. We we could probably get him on the couch, Luke. You want you want Colby on the RSD I, couch? I bet we couldn't. I bet we couldn't. Uh, In- he used to follow me back when I would defend. There was a moment where f- folks were like, "Colby Covington sucks as a person and as a fighter," and I'd be like, "Well, you can dislike who he is as a." person but he's actually very good as a fighter and i would make sure to push that line until it became obvious that that was a thing that everyone had to recognize and he would follow me on twitter at the time but then after that when you know he would just do like the very odious things he began to unfollow me or he actually unfollowed me and i got a feeling that he wouldn't agree to it i mean i could I, you could be right but i my get my bet would be he wouldn't take it Mm-mm. anyway i don't have anything to ask any of these people i'm not interested in talking to them uh, all right, at Kyle Hank Levy. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> that's it. It's just just like that. That's it. I mean, what if what if we got a call from UFC PR that said, "Look, it's been crazy lately. We've seen your content. Dana wants to do a sit down with you guys. He wants to clear the air. Yeah, he wants right. to do it on camera. I mean, that would never. These are no. Dude, he wants this, to do it is, on camera. Is, you might as well say, Luke. Imagine, just imagine, just hear me out." You wake up one day and you've got wings on your back and you can just fly around. Would you do MK with wings on your back? It's like, what kind okay. of a question is this? Who would be more willing, John or Dana? Because, you know, you've made em- met enemies through your years, whether you've whether that's the result of aggressive, you know, smart, sound journalism or whether you're just a raging piece of shit, Luke, and I just haven't figured it out yet. I, I don't think that to be true, though. Uh, you know that to not be true. Um, maybe John, maybe, okay, okay. may. I mean, we're talking like the. I'll ask our PR margins. team. I'll ask our team to reach out and start the John RSD. I mean, yeah. you know, he might as well. I mean, might as well come on our platform and talk about moving up to heavyweight and stuff. It'd be great. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be an amazing time. All right, from Kyle Hank Levy, Luke. What do you think about Hamzat lifting in gloves? <laughs> Does this change your opinion about his ceiling? Uh, I did see one picture. I couldn't quite make it out. I just don't understand why anyone would lift with gloves. Uh, short of, I've got a very unique job where I need my palms to be as, you know. Yeah, you don't get those as, weird gross As lotiony smooth as possible. My dad made me start going to the gym when I was 14 and made me wear gloves during that stretch, Luke. He made you wear gloves? Yep. He was like, these will help your hands not get all calloused up and and that burn feeling. Use them. So, Luke, I grew up in high school going to, uh, I don't even remember the name of that gym, going to that gym, you know, three times a week with gloves on. I mean, as you can guess, it didn't it didn't do much for me, you know, muscularly, Luke, during that yeah. stretch. I was yeah. a, a damn beanpole. But, uh, you know, I don't look down at it as such a, you know, you know what I do? If you wear a dress shirt, without a tie and you button the top button that to me, that's the same 
same offensive to you as lifting gloves. You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing here? But it's not the same offense. I keep trying to explain this to people. You will, your grip is compromised when you wear the gloves, right? So if you actually want to get your grip stronger, take the fucking gloves off. It will actually interfere with your ability to manage your grip. Like that's my heroes wear gloves, Luke. Okay. Jim McMahon played quarterback in the NFL wearing gloves. All right. Um, Michael Brady Jackson wore, Brady wears a famously glove, right? wore a glove. Hand. Who was Brady? Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's a hand. hero of mine, though. He just finished a losing season, Luke. First of his career. Thank God. I'm, dude, I've been enjoying his fucking demise. Oh, are you kidding me? All the terrible shit we had to swallow when he was Patriots Nation the whole time. And now that it's finally coming to a close, I am enjoying this fucker's decline like you cannot imagine. But the short answer is people of the world... You just don't need gloves. They don't serve any other purpose other than I'm a weirdo who needs buttery smooth hands. Well, if you need that, I guess, then wear gloves. But for the rest of humanity, they don't do anything good for you. And in fact, they interfere with your ability to lift properly. So quit fucking doing that. Uh, all right. Last but not least, at dark underscore Ziki. Ziki. Let's say you could pick any guest for the London live Ooh. show, BC. But here's the catch. You only have them on to be roasted. Who would it be? KSI, well, right? KSI. If we brought on a guest and just roasted him, we'd probably have to fight right there, Luke. So I don't know if that's a, a good business strategy. Is Dude, it? let's get let's get Dylan Dennis on the live show. Okay. And just roast the fucking shit out of him. I mean, I you know, I don't I do is that something you look forward to, the idea of bringing somebody out in person and roasting them, Luke? You know, I think that's See the thing is you gotta roast a friend, right? You gotta roast someone yeah. you care about. Yeah. I don't really care about many people. <laughs> How about Jay Aaron? How about Pennington hits London? Oh, God. But it's like, dude, we have to give him attention. Like, he just loves attention dollars. You know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Why don't you tell the folks what you were doing before, what was it, before the weigh-ins that day? You and the rest of the crew. I was not part of this. I was on the you Jason Aaron uh, YouTube channel uh, where he reviews products like blenders, and he bought a massive <laughs> eel fish tank a two-sided one and put it into his, his house or apartment. I don't know where Jay lives. Uh, and, uh, every video he does Luke, which has, uh, just bizarre, uh, reactions and, and dialogue. He wears MK shirts in most of them. So that was a big part of our, uh, you know, oh, wow. But, uh, you know, shout out to Jay Aaron. He was, you know, look, Luke, he's part of our family's history. You can't take him out of the MK lore. You can't remove it. You can take him off the show. I mean, you okay. definitely can. Right? What about Appy? What if we just roast Appy? In Lo- in you know, dude, you love to give attention to weirdos. You love nothing more. Dude, here's who BC likes. Drifters, people who are alone at bus stations, um, people who close talk. I mean, anyone who's a fucking <laughs> weirdo. Talk. Yes, anyone. Anyone who's a fucking weirdo, you just want to put your arms around them and then find you find them deeply interesting. And I don't really understand that. I just Look, don't get it. You know, you can... You could move around this life too quickly, Luke, and and miss the art that's all around us. And, you know, do I like a little crazy sometimes, Luke? I like a little art sometimes. I think that's the real answer. And, you know, and Luke, don't, you know, don't be one of those people who misses the greatness in people around them. And whether it's, you know, Jake Von Amsterdam, just an eccentric genius. You know what I mean? Where, where would I be if I dismissed that guy, Luke? Okay. All right. Uh, but, you know, maybe, maybe Appy's, you know, maybe it's all a big bit, Luke. 
Why don't we? We should roast you. That's what we should do. We just roast <laughs> the shit out of BC. Have those Brits. The, Brit, the Brits can roast too. Don't think they can't get up there and <clears throat> just assassinate you. You always say my type for women is future lunch ladies, and I think that's really rude, Luke. Future waitresses, yes, but I also support the service industry. You know what I mean? So it's fine, you know? All right, that's it for our fan questions. It's time for BC's feces. All right. Uh, I got off the plane yesterday, Luke, and I scoured the globe for the uh, highs and lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between. From the world of combat sports and beyond, this is a hefty pile of shit here that Gaff Pierre had to dig through. This one's called, Have You Seen This Shit? Got some got some bangers in the crate, so to speak. Yep, BC's feces gonna deliver. Yep, here we go. Uh, your favorite segment is back. Let's start, Luke. Showtime pay per view from Washington D.C. And here's the video everybody was talking about. Round eight before the fight was actually stopped. Meek Mill wearing green in the crowd. Uh, some people said he got into it with Wallow. I don't know Wallow, but I do know Gary Russell Jr. was down there, Luke. And I've watched a lot of videos on it, and I believe. Meek Mill was upset that Gary Russell Jr., who's from the DMV, but has never, you know, held back from sharing that he'd love to fight Gervonta one day, was cheering against Gervonta as a member of the DMV. And that's ultimately what Meek Mill took exception to. And that's why there was almost a brawl. What's this deal with Wallow? Who's Wallow? Is that the guy who works at the at the parts store in the Phantom Menace, Luke, who tells Anakin that, uh, you know, is that the guy? Is that the guy? The name? guy who's just like a casual slave owner. Yeah, yeah, the, that the, guy. Uh, in the Star Wars fandom. So yeah, he got what he deserves. A bunch of slaves. He's great. Um, no, seriously, Luke. Um, little while. What? I mean, what do you say about Meek Mill's performance here? Not great. He had tweeted he had to go down to see the tank fight, so you thought he'd be like cool about it, but. I guess not. You could see him getting escorted out there. They had to escort him out. He had to leave. They had so, to, he missed. He missed the. He missed the show. When this video changes again, you'll see in the bottom right corner there's somebody dressed in green walking away. That's Meek Mill. But in the top portion of the screen, dressed in green, dude, that's Stack Stephen Jackson. All the smoke. Yeah, top left, top left. He was playing peacemaker like at at a aggressive level, and it and it was actually a big reason why this didn't turn into something much bigger. So. Shout out to Stack 5 there, Luke. Yeah, I think someone was pushing and shoving, and it got to his wife, and he had had enough, so he had calmed down that side of the crowd. Stack's great. You won't hear us say a bad word about him. All right, before Meek Mill and then his entire team wearing the Dreamcatcher jackets or whatever that, that was, I don't understand the reference, uh, they were escorted out. They left on their own. Before that, though, Meek was caught on camera uh, yelling at Gary Russell Jr. Here's what they picked up. Now, Luke, I don't know if it, we didn't hear the audio. I don't know if the audience did, but the quote was, I'll really sock you, though, from Meek Mill, allegedly at Gary Russell Jr. So there you I go, spoke, Luke. I spoke to Gary Russell Jr. I was walking by earlier in the night, and I was like, Gary, when are you fighting again? And he was like, summer. And I'm like, Gary. Or as they say as they say in this part of the, 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 the world, Gurry. Not acceptable, my man. We got to get you out there more, more, more you know, consistently, bro. Look, he only happen. fights once a year. It's what he does. All right, he's a he's a trainer now. His own father recently passed away. R.I.P. But he seems to be like like Habib taking on the the training, you know, uh, from the family and and being there for his brothers. But, um, you know, dude, he was a champion at 126. He lost that belt to Mark Magseo in that fight. But he's been talking about moving up to 35 to face Gervonta for a while. 
That's it. Do you like that idea? No, I think Gervonta has way too much for him uh, physically at that weight class. No. Uh, Gary's got some some hands, though. Got some Gary's hands good. Speed. No, Gary, Gary's very skilled. He's a really good boxer, but no. All right, all right. Hey, back to the fights. Here's five days before the fight. Gervonta Davis was uh, warming up, I believe, for his media day, and he started working on some backflips. Luke, your thoughts? Dude, Gervonta's athletic. I mean, this is not like the most like nimble backflip we've ever seen, but the dude's just like playing around, you know. Well, just, he uh, would. The warm up was for the finale when he stopped Hector Luis Garcia in round eight. Here was the victory celebration. This was right in front of where my uh, my wife and my friends were. They love this. Yeah, dude, my man's athletic. I mean, you know, you can't you can't say he's not. Yep. Uh, before the fight, Luke Real ended up recognizing Real when Gervonta was met in the locker room by Kyle Kuzma of the Wizards and other famous NBA stars. Also by some white magic, Vito Milnicki Jr. checking in. I didn't say this to Vito Milnicki's face because I didn't want it to come off weird. His nickname is White Magic. I feel like you can only have that nickname if a black guy gives it to you, which which actually <laughs> did happen, right? You know what I'm saying? Like... Yeah, uh, yeah, one white guy can't call another guy white magic. It's like, do you know what they should call you? They should call you white magic. So if I was okay. like, yo, moving on out from here on out in morning combat, my nickname is the white knight. You'd be like, yeah. see, no. 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 no, 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 no. But right. if, but but if Gaff gave you that nickname, I'd be all right with it. You know what yo, I'm saying? We can't say it out loud because it would compromise certain relationships. But Gaff got my back in a very key behind the scenes argument that involved MMA and women. And I'll never forget that, Luke. Okay. Yeah, I, I will forget that because both of you are just completely disgusting people. But you know, I, Gaff gets me. Okay, he 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 handles my shit regularly. Hey, Luke, you mentioned it. Lifting glove season is back, baby. Here's the aforementioned picture we talked about in DM from Donks Hamzat Chamaev showing off his jackedness. And Luke, uh, I don't have the tweet here, but did you see uh, what's the guy's name? The the heavyweight from Philly, Chris Dawkins. Uh, made fun of him with a quote tweet that everybody was tweeting at you. Yeah, what do you think? Look, he looks he looks jacked, Luke. Yeah, he doesn't have huge biceps or anything, but he's got big. He's got them bolder shoulders, and uh, he's got gloves on for no good reason. Uh, what about those guy. striations, Luke? Those striations, right? Yeah, striated, Vas- vascular. He's very well, vascular. Luke, he's not the only person wearing lifting gloves these days. Let's see a professional in lifting gloves. All right. Well, I mean, is he doing ball <laughs> training? Like he's got a ball bag the size of. I a mean, fucking... look, look at his look at his body. That you you're telling me like you can't get that jacked wearing gloves. I showed it to you right here. Okay, pumps in the bump style. Dude, is he literally smuggling in a fucking like red panda in his in his underwear? Like what? Fuck look, I, mean? I believe there's a family of four there uh, getting over the border in his dungarees. Dude, I'm, I'm not doing say. a bit. I think he's got the entire produce section of Whole Foods <laughs> in his fucking uh, underwear there. Just a giant look. If, balls. Wow. If I had, if I was endowed like that, I'd be wearing lifting gloves 24 seven, bro. Okay. So Dude, shout I, out to if this. If I man. had, I mean, well, first of all, I mean, I don't know. I mean, how do you? Serious question. Look at this man's ball bag. How do you take a dump without that falling in the water? I'm just asking <laughs> questions about, you know, how it's accommodated. You know? Okay, moving on, Luke. Uh, you know, you want me to roast people to their face? What would I look like, a pro fighter, Luke? You, t- you fuck around. You find out, even at 7-Eleven. Let's check out this exchange. Oh, this guy got racist. Yeah. Oh, God. Four loco to the face, bro. He got real racist. 
And he was, ta- I've seen this video. He was taunting the guy. And the guy just stood there and took it and took it and took it until finally oh. he was like, yo, Damn. how's this lemonade iced tea player? Let me yep. know how that is. All right, Luke, your interview of the week happened at Cage Titans 57, a regional MMA promotion. Here's Aaron Hughes letting you know what he's going to do with his winning money and where he's headed. Hey, real quick, real quick. Hey, I came to throw bombs and bang moms, and I'm all done throwing bombs. So where the moms at? All the moms. Keep it going, Barry. Milfs unite, Luke. There's a new hunter on the uh, on the scene here, Aaron Hughes. Uh, it, this truly is the sport of kings. I mean, <laughs> what else can be said? Uh, it's time for this week's best fails, Luke. Let's bring a bicycle on the roof and find out what happens. You know. All right, young lady. I mean, this is. <laughs> That was Ooh. never going to go. Just leave her in the dirt. Just leave her. <laughs> just the earth will take her now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, only the strong survive, Luke. And yeah, the, you saw what happened there. Hey, you ever do yard work with a wheelbarrow? They're hard to control, Luke. Yeah, I don't recommend this. Yep. Oh, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> All right. Uh, How do you not realize you have to press it above your head and then march overhead? Uh, we have video of Luke on the sidewalk after he drank three gar- margaritas at our at our live show in Vegas. Here's what we got. <laughs> this is somewhere in England, right? <laughs> oh. Hopefully that'll be you after our London show, Luke, at King's Place. Uh, King's oh yeah, Court I'm gonna there, get. Yeah. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. Ha- I'm gonna have a few pints. For sure. Do you remember when our team was like, you're not going to be drinking during the show, just so you know, Luke? Yeah, no, I know. I know, I know. Yeah. They were like, Luke, we're not repeating Vegas. I'm I'm feeling these seltzer waters. Uh, let's go to uh, the gym. You always find good fails there, Luke. Especially when it's, uh, yeah, here we go. Oh, this is a competition. Okay. the, 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 the That all looked pretty good. Good snatch, right? That was a good clean. Not a, not a, oh, shit balls. <laughs> Yeah, everything everything else looked okay, yep, and then he, he he's gonna pop his head back right to ah, uh, you know what happened? Wait, blow it up one more time. Blow it up one more time. Okay, so here he is. He's gonna bump, get under it. Everything looks pretty good. Let's see. He's wearing a glove on his right hand. Oh, that's yeah, I can't the tell. A couple things: if you rest the bar there too long and it's not properly sitting on your clavicles, it can actually choke you like a rear naked choke a little bit. And then he kind of leans backward, and it just takes Ooh, him. Tap or nap, bitch. Uh, let's go to a white guy on a on a pier. This guy got just a pier of balls for trying just that. Fuck this asshole. Get off the bike, moron. Get <laughs> okay. off the fucking bike. All right. Hey, genius alert, Luke. Check out this invention. They call it the bicycle chair. Your thoughts? Oh Jesus Christ! What's this fucking idiot about to do? <laughs> I mean, only a person with this haircut. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty, pretty inventive, right? Yeah, if you're a moron who had, looks like he cuts his hair after he loses a bet, uh, sure. Yeah, that guy's got party and business mixed together all over that head, Luke. All right, that dude, that dude has never pleased a woman in his life. Just never happened. Hey, Luke, it's clear that this next kid has a has got a stick up his ass. You know what I'm saying? 
and his name is Plunk. <laughs> he could have used the bicycle chair to be fair, Luke, right? This kid is too comfortable for this. I don't yeah. I don't love this. Hey, look, let's play a new game. It's called Hot or Not. I'm going to show you a questionable video involving female activity. All you have to tell me is hot or not, okay? Are you aroused? Here we go. Let's go to the great state of Maryland for some for some drunken time. I've seen this. Yeah, that's hot. Okay. She's okay. an animal. Yep, the reactions are priceless, Luke. Yep, there it is. Yeah, that's two thumbs up from this guy. Okay, Jeez, hot, or, hot or not, it's lunchtime. Let's get some wings, Luke. You wouldn't happen to have her number, would you? <laughs> what, do you have to bury a body or what? <laughs> Got to bury something. All right. Hey, it's it's uh, it's it's <laughs> it's BBL time on the hot or not game, Luke. Oh God! Oh God! Oh, okay. I mean, you just saw this one coming. Uh, the just. next entry. So that not hot? Not hot is your answer, or what? Yeah, that's a zero for me. Okay. What about this next lady? Uh, she's a, a performer in a sport called mouth gymnastics. Once again, I don't know if you'd have her contact info, but uh, if you did. Imagine uh, if we hired her for the live show in London, where she just did this the whole the whole ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd, I'd be willing to. Uh, and plus, you could just fold her into your luggage. There you go. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to pay on Southwest for her. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Luke, let's take it the same topic over to the uh, over to the inventive smoking machines. They call this a banana bong. Hot or not, Luke? Um, stupid, but. Fine. Okay. You're like, not my type, but hot if you like that stuff. Yeah. And and right. finally, let's go to the wrestling mats. Here's some female amateur wrestling involving an oil change, Luke. Hot or not? I mean, she's just gripping the, the tailbone. It looks more like the taint bone where I come from, Luke, but there we yeah, go. I'm not like, as into that one as you are. Okay, all right, all right. Hey, let's get back into fails. Poor Lonnie, right? Let's check this out. Ah, he made it. What, man? You sit way back here. Come on, Lonnie, hurry up. Hurry up, go. What is running? Just running. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh. Are you all right, Lonnie? Yeah. No, Lonnie's not. A, Terry, reverse, please. Lonnie is not all right. Yeah, not Lonnie's not right. doing great. He's not doing great. All right. Hey, it's virtual reality time. Let's check out this poor guy. Come on, ma'am. Oh, wait. He's someone standing. Yeah, dude, dude never stand chilling. next to someone doing this. Oh. oh. <laughs> that was worse than Derek Minner versus uh, that other guy, Luke, right? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, big week for spousal abuse in MMA, Luke. You know, unfortunately. I think every week is a big week for spousal abuse in MMA. Oh, Jesus. Is that a, is that a, a scissors kick? What do you call that? A, a question mark kick? No, dude, that's just dopey white guy looking like yeah. a fucking dumbass. That's that assault, is. brother. Uh, you ever wonder if beekeepers get stung a lot? No. Maybe not because they're professional. Uh, 
Oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm having um, flashbacks. Fucking man on a ladder. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Oh. <laughs> oh. Dude, of all the ways that could have gone, that went yeah, the best. That's bad. Hey, Dude, look, I'm allergic. About... Do you know I'm allergic, like deathly allergic to, to uh, bee stings? I did not know that. Yeah, I used to have to. I mean, I probably still should. I used to have to, for most of my life, I had to carry around a little kit that has like a epinephrine pen in it to get jammed with if I get stung. So I may have to stab you in the heart with a pen if you get hit by, stung by a bee when we're working together? I think you can do it just in the thigh, but yes. Damn. Hey, uh, I don't know if you saw this video. Josh Emmett, who will be fighting for the UFC interim featherweight title against Yair Rodriguez coming up, he posted a video, a uh, music video, highlighting him working out and preparing. And look at the shirt he chose, brother. Wow. Old MK. M All to day. the K. All freaking day. Okay. Look, he's got a big old scruffy beard now. Oh, yeah. That means he's been putting in that work, Luke. Yeah, it does. All or nothing. 25 minutes to make it all, uh, what do you say? Make life fair. Yeah, Yeah, make life fair. Here we go. That's it. That's it, Josh Emmett. Love you. Thanks for wearing that, bro. I mean, we had Rafian Stotts in the jacket. We had Christian Daguerreau put us on his balls, Luke. We're making moves in this space, right? That's what we do. All right, no shame alert. Check out this guitar solo. (laughs) Not quite Hicks and uh, Gracie-esque there with the stomach control. (laughs) Okay, hey, it may be early in 2023, but here are my nominees for Fight of the Year so far. The original Shuey. Oh, they got the chonclas out. Is this how they settle a beef in their cul- in their culture, Luke? I guess. It's like a hockey fight with, with sandals. Oh, yeah. Look at this uh, elder abuse squared. How does this one end? All right, he's got sleeve and then collar control. Ooh, oh, Herb Dean's going to stand him up. Look at this. All right, just what ho- fighting about. Hopefully a woman, Luke. All right. Let's go to uh let's go to the bikes here. <clears throat> oh, jeez. Are you punching a guy with a helmet and he's lo- he's losing? He's lighting him up, too. Damn. God damn. Punch Punched through the target, Luke. Look at that. Dude, I'm like, you got the helmet on. Fucking do something. Yeah, headbutt the guy. Do something with it. Uh, let's go to a concert. No, this ain't, uh, this ain't, uh, what do they call that band that you like? Eating My Arteries? What do you call that? Oh, Cannibal Corpse. This ain't Cannibal Corpse, Luke. Oh, whoa, whoa. What are we doing here? My bad. I skipped it one ahead. Look at this sidewalk slam in the street fight, Luke. Great fight. Yeah, he catches the kick, although he eats it a little bit, and then just whips him up on his back. Like a kind of like a weird fireman's carry, and then just slams him into the cement. Let the boys Crashes be boys on, on that one. All right, this next one not cannibal course, but it did produce a great fight ending moment here. Is this Capoeira legend um, Chef Cass? I'm not sure. No, you know it's not <laughs> Chef Cass because he doesn't have the weird metal things on his arms. <laughs> that's true. That is very true, right there. Oh wow. Okay. Well, that's uh, a pretty good kick. That's not bad. And he helped him up afterwards. That was very polite. Damn. And finally, Luke, there's been some great golf course brawls lately. This might be the best one I've ever seen. Is it John Daly versus Water? Oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, shit. Stripped him. Stripped him. Oh, oh no. Oh, shit. He got the flag. 
with just whacking these hoes. Bah. Trying to get a hole in one, yeah. Dude, and you know they're fighting over something fucking insanely stupid. Yes. Like who's got yes. the last Coors Light or something, you know? Looks Look like John big. Fury, right? Big John? Yeah, I guess. He'll hook your eye out, Luke. You got to be careful. Okay, so it's been a rough month for BBLs in this part, at least, Luke. You ever seen a BBL on a skateboard? Oh, I keep skipping, man. I, I'm sorry. My bad on this. Yeah, this is going great. That's drunken skee ball. Your thoughts? Uh, pretty cool, actually, that he was able to do that. I have to say. Although, <laughs> although his O face, I could do without. All right, let's go to the BB. It's BBL time, Luke. They've had a rough turn a few times here. I mean, BBLs, we got to protect them. We got to get them off the skateboard. Okay, I mean, I mean what, what the fuck is this? You know, and uh, sometimes you ask Santa for what you really want, and sometimes it doesn't come through. Let's see this next guy's fate. Guys, I can't believe it. It's Christmas Eve, and there is no gift here that is shaped like a big booty Latino. This is an L Christmas. Is this it? No, Latino. L Christmas. <laughs> Look, did you have an L Christmas like that guy? <laughs> no, I'm married. I'm married one, so I, every, every every day is Feliz Navidad around these parts. Looks like not only did I study abroad, I married her. Yeah, wow, yeah, all right. Very easy for me. Okay, all right. Hey, fighters in the wild, Luke. MMA fighters in the wild. Did you see Israel Adesanya break out the Crip Walk on stage at an exhibit concert? I did see this, but I didn't quite see a full-on Crip Walk, like the heel-toe of it. There's a little bit, and that's not quite right. I haven't seen Exhibit since he was in the 50 Cent video, right? The Find him in the club? Yeah, I, I used to... I mean, I haven't quite seen the Crip, Crip Walk yet. Oh, there's a little bit. There's a little bit, yeah. Is he wild now, right? Living, he's living that in life. in New Zealand? Was Exhibit in New Zealand? I don't have confirmation on that. Dude, I gotta tell, tell you, like, it doesn't look like he's taking the loss too hard, huh? Although, what man, is that hanging at, out of look his at, mouth? Look at Exhibit on top. He's so fat now. <laughs> that is true. Like, like Trick Daddy when we saw him in Miami, Luke? Trick Daddy was the fattest man I'd ever seen. <laughs> so we'll be very uh, real about that. Trick what is Daddy hanging had... out of Izzy's mouth? Is that a straw or a... Uh... Probably a blunt. Okay, okay. All right. Uh, he was there, Luke, with the exhibit, but in Brazil, Poetan, Alex Pereira, showed up to an indigenous tribe in full gear, Luke, to, to bring the belt around to the, to the Brazilian locals. And, um, this guy looks scarier than he ever has, Luke. Look at that. Yeah, wow. that is some, that's some serious shit right there. I don't know what it all means, but I know it means enough to know you got to take this motherfucker very seriously. Indeed. I always love this moment, by the way, when, when fighters of other countries win, win the UFC title, they go show up at the airport or they go back to their people and they have a, a big welcome. Uh, this happened for Edson Barbosa, who went back to his Brazilian hometown to show off a mural they put together for him. Kind of looks like Hen and Barrow, right? Yeah, I wouldn't say that exactly looks just like him, but... You getting Mr. Hebos tattoo vibes or no? It looks like Walid Ishmael a little bit. And then is that him there? Yeah, that I guess, yeah. Sorta. Okay. Okay. Uh we got two more for you here, Luke. File photo time. I saw this come across my timeline. This is Tiger Woods 
1997 at a Hooters restaurant moments after winning his first Masters. Look how happy he is, Luke. Buddy, he went to work on these three. Believe that. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. More than a mouthful, Luke, I believe is their slogan. Um, I don't know if he was wearing pants in this picture, but a very happy young tiger. Um, getting thick in there, right? You know what I'm saying? Was. Tiger, All right. Tiger was in the brush. And finally, your celebration of the week comes from the New York football giants. Luke, we should celebrate the end of each successful episode this way. What are your thoughts? <laughs> we should end the live show that way. <laughs> we should build That's a human amazing. tunnel on stage and have Appy be the dong that just runs through it. What do you think? No, we're not doing that. We're not. Do- you love the weirdos. I. I mean, you just can't get enough of. Okay. BC, separate- BC sees stray cats in the alley. Is like, let's leave them all milk. And I'm like, oh, okay, that- you shouldn't do that. That's the shit for the week. Hope you enjoyed it. But Luke, I get maybe your reticence on on good old Appleton himself. You know, a, a comedic genius, but he has to take risks to get there. Is there anybody you're excited to meeting? Are we going to do a meet and greet, a receiving line? I mean, are you excited to meet all these rabid? UK plus hardcores of the MK brand who are coming out for us? I certainly am. And if they want to come join us, they can. We'll put the QR code up on the screen right now. You can go to pod-live.com to come see us. Yes, I'm happy to meet any of them. Give them all COVID because I'm sure they'll give me COVID. We can just have a go big day about it. And uh, But in all seriousness, I will meet anyone who wants to meet. I, I We will do some kind of... Uh, you know, meet and greet-ish type thing. I don't want to call it anything without have, talking to the, the producers first, but we'll do something to engage with the fans besides just the show itself, I'm sure. So, All right, so go. if you're making that trek, we'll be looking to at least wave to you from distance. No, we'll Maybe do even that. touch you. I mean, I won't offer up the harvesting of my organs, but I'm, I'll at least put myself in a position where I'm where I have to wonder what their intention is, right? You will always do that. So that would be not new. That would be the continuous thing that you do. Okay. Um, I'm looking for all my Welshian men unite because your adopted brother is here. Okay. Simru. Uh, all right. So I want to remind folks, Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. Plus $3.99 a month for the first six months thereafter. You can go to the website, morningcombat.store, to get some merch. By the way, if you come out to King's Place on in London and you've got merch, wear it. Definitely be that guy. Show up. Yeah. Definitely wear it. No problem. Um, that would be a cool thing. We'd love to see that if you can. So just sort of a bit there as well. And uh, morningcombat at gmail.com for Wednesday's fan subs, Friday's dead wrong. Plus, as the week goes on, we'll preview these upcoming UFC and one cards as well. BC, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, thank you to our viewers. Um, thank you for everybody who sent in the, the the really nice comments on our coverage of different big time topics last week. Um you know, no need to relitigate those, but uh, those who know, they know, and we appreciate y'all. Thank you so much. It's it's not easy, Luke. It's why I don't hold necessarily against people who work for different certain companies and can't make big stinks out of things because maybe they have to protect their own job. I'm more mad at the companies in those ways, but a weird time right now in the overall news cycle, and um, I thought we got it right, Luke, so I'm happy. We did our best. I can say that. We certainly did our best. So... We appreciate everyone who watched uh, the live stream or any of last week's shows. Anything. Anything we did, we appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we're back on Wednesday. So, for Brian Campbell, for CBS Sports, for Molka, for Showtime, all the great crew that was on the ground there, as well as everyone behind the scenes doing all the great work, we appreciate you. Back on Wednesday. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.
our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.